This is Papa Smurf. You're listening to Our Lifestyle, the podcast with ODB and the mayor. Yo, this is Rob Maji, and you're listening to Our Lifestyle Podcast. Yo, yo, as we get started, we want to thank our title sponsor, Scraping the Coast. You can visit scrapingthecoast.com for more information. Their next event, 22nd Annual, is going to be the last weekend in June. They haven't yet announced it for 2024, but rest assured, we will be out there. One of the biggest, baddest shows in the country. Get ready for more information coming soon on Scraping the Coast. Tap on the hashtag Scraping the Coast for more information. We appreciate the continued support of Custom Car Show Productions. What's up, homie? Not much. I don't know if you heard last week, but Hank is mad because he thanked me, but he's oh, pissed at you. Mad. He yeah. talked. He yeah, talked yeah. to Josh oh. Ellis, and he thanked me for nicknaming Eastbound Get Down EBGD. He uh, said he started the punk rock club back in the day up in New York. Where, you know, no, no, not 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 the group. Oh, um, I thought he was mad at me because I I didn't know who Wham was. Dude, CBGB. CBGB, and that's the, like the famous punk rock club. And he is thinking he's going to go after you and John for royalties because EBGD sounds too close to CBGB. Yo, 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 yo! It's our lifestyle podcast, also known for short as OLP. Some people say, "Hey, isn't it our lifestyle the podcast?" Well, yeah, things get more efficient over time, and we've dropped the the. It's just really our lifestyle podcast. But I could have swore, was that Miggity Mike the Mayor taking a, a a long drag off of Camel Joe? or no? Camel way. Joes and more hoes! Yeah, I almost said that wrong, because that could be, you know, that could have been misconstrued hey, the wrong way. But we know what, everybody knew what I meant. Hey, our, our boy Chad Luke came up with it, and I'm hoping Dizzy comes out with these damn stickers soon. Because uh, we know our boy Chad Luke is, he's, he's jonesing for these damn stickers. Dude, the, the demand has been insane, dude. Well, especially for Chad Luke. Dude, uh, hey, and and congrats to the big <laughs> homie. You know, a lot of guys, you know, we joke around about drinking and and Smith's oaking and, and sometimes some crazier things that Hank is into. But, you know, we, we tip our cap. I do, certainly, to anybody that, you know, kicks the habits. You know, I've kicked some habits, Mike. You know I like kicking them. Yeah, talking about kicking habits, did you kick that habit of uh, Chick-fil-A yet? Nope, but you know, I mean, we can't I talk about it. it. I you, knew it. You well, but you're happy though because we're going to the Spark Show, and, and you were you were praying <laughs> that I hadn't, right? Let's just be honest. Exactly. Well, that's what I was asked. That's why I was asking because I know we'll eat Chick Fil A at least at least four times. We've got to do an over under over under Chick Fil A four times on this trip. What do you think, dude? I hope they have grilled stuff the whole time. You know, because I'm trying. I'm trying to get better, Mike. Hey, bro, if there's one thing that you're going to keep doing, because you already quit the cigs, you quit the scratchers, you quit the booze, and now don't quit the Chick-fil-A, bro. I just cannot see you quitting the Chick-fil-A. Dude, I hey, listen, I appreciate a good friend like you that can actually, you know, give me some feedback that, um, you know, is it means something to me, dude. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm kind of going to break down at this point, I think. Well, like, bro, you're, you're looking out for my you, well-being. I Hey, I wouldn't quit the scratchers, bro, but $1.5 billion tonight, bro. 
Dude, it, it, if some of you guys saw the text messages between Mike and I, you wouldn't believe it. I'm sending Mike like constantly every week. All these guys, you know, scratches a one million Willie in Florida. You know, one point five this and that. I'm going, Mike. Dude, you last trip we were on, I swear it was Lone Star Throwdown one time. I went in to buy some waters, and I said, "Hey, can I borrow ten bucks?" I had a I had a good feeling, and you know what? Because you didn't let me borrow it, we probably missed out on the big one. You know what I mean? That's probably true. Gosh, damn it, I screwed up. Well, Mike, this week I had to double check because I'm getting the, these dates all mixed up. This is episode three thirty seven. We got to thank Anthony for coming on episode three thirty six. Big tip of the cap to the big homie. A lot of downloads on that one. We're going to have to see if we're able to get our guest, John, on this week. He's been super busy. He was on vacation. He came back. I couldn't record last week with him. So we'll have to see how that works out. As you know, though, Mike, the show must go on. You know, John's an old school West Coast guy, and I'm looking forward to certainly hanging out with him now or, you know, and having the episode uh, done. But I want to share this with you, Mike. If we could play copyrighted music, I'd play some Tony, Tony, Tony. It's our Tony, anniversary. Tony, Tony has done it again. So oh, for my those, bad, wrong song. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys are like, if you want to really get down with the OLP trivia, you you got to open your notes app when you get a chance and start with all of these dates and stuff. But Mike, here's for those scoring at home. Uh, we created our Podbean account. Okay, so I guess loosely, I'll call this. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call it loosely. This is the official day of OLP's creation, I guess in a sense, August 7th, so yesterday, so at the time this recording is 8-8-23, but on August 7th of, do you know what year we started, Mike? Because I get this confused constantly. I'm not making this up. I have to look back because I get the different year confused. Do you know how long, as of yesterday, that we've been doing this podcast? I would assume, because I remember what show it was at, and, you know, that show's no longer around anymore. When we went and re-recorded there live for the first time, and it was 2016. Well, I keep thinking it was 2016, but we created our account on August 7th, 2015. So when I look back, in this, it constantly confuses me because I always want to say, because when we get to August, I'm like, okay, well, there's another year. And so I have to look back at my photos and see when we had bought the equipment and I noticed that we started recording. I did some, you know, some test recordings and things like that. That was back in uh, July of 2015, which is hard to. It's it honestly is hard to believe. Like I'm looking at one of our first logos, July at the time, you know, in the phone, July 14th, 2015, dude. It's crazy. So eight years, bro. Congratulations, man. You you have st- wow. somehow. I got to thank myself. You have stood by me. And again, I've stood by you, Nizzo, Hizzo, Mizzo, Nizzo, there's anything, reason, reason, that. Okay, I'm trying to get party with the carny. But you stood by me, bro, and that's what a, a true friendship is. You know, sometimes you're like, yo, ODB, get out the gutter. And even me, Mike, sometimes I'm like, yo, man, don't go to the bridge. I know you want to do a can opener sometimes off <laughs> the skyway and stuff. And I know you could do a perfect 10, but... Well, like we've always said, man, you know, some of us, including me, we got to have a little, you know, a little mental kind of meltdown here and there. And sometimes it's good to have a homie like you that says, yo, let me talk you off. Don't do the can opener. You'll be fine. Exactly. Don't do the can opener when you can do the damn um, swan dive willy. Uh, the swan dive willy, bro. <laughs> so, but dude, this doesn't mean since it's our anniversary that I got to like wine, dine, and 
69. Oh, come on, dude. Listen, you remember... You okay. know, you I don't know, have to buy you roses, or I don't have to take you out to dinner, or any of that stuff, do I? Well, remember, we used to always like to say we're going Sizzla, but I think we can't Sizzla. anymore. Going, going Sizzla. Sizzla. We can't go there anymore because of the pandemic, the damn pandemic. But remember, Dizzy made us one. Shout out to Dizzy. If you need graphics or some little social media type posts, uh, he's putting a lot of that together for all these top shows. Don Dizzy Davis. But remember, he made the one, we eatin' Twizzlas, we eatin' Twizzlas. <laughs> now, I don't eat Twizzlas, but maybe, you know, as a as a thank you, you could just get us some Twizzlas hey, this week. Hey, me and our boy, Scotty the Body, eat some Twizzlas. Remember, he was feeding them, feeding them through the cage on our trip, on our way to <laughs> fucking LST. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, and I got to give Scotty the Body a lot of credit, and even Jenna Lee's, dude. You know, I, I talk yes. with them a little bit. You know, we would joke about um, one of our favorite shows on Apple. And, you know, they're good people, you know. And I tell you, Scott, even sometimes he gets the wrath of ODB and he goes, yo, you just need a hug, homie. <laughs> you just need a hug. Yes. So, Scott, yes. thanks, homie. Yes. All, hey, everybody, this weekend, make sure for our anniversary, for our OLP anniversary, you walk up to ODB and you give them a nice big hug. <laughs> yeah i love it dude so check this out um mike and i are only going to have a shorter segment and then i'll cover a few more things i i, I got to stop saying that because every time i say short segment it's like a two-hour deal um, <laughs> at the end of this episode i will cover a big update for olp some things that are on my mind to try to you know continue to further what we're doing as we start we, we pass the start finish line and now we're getting sideways in the year nine so we've got to keep things fresh. So I'll cover that towards the end of the segment here. Hopefully, John, I'll be able to sit down with him. He's a great guy. He had a cover truck in the 90s. Uh, he actually had two covers of the same year. We'll talk about that. And we want to say the overview is brought to you by our family at Hamburg Weekend, where show some love. The, the holidays are coming up. H-A-M-M-E-R-D, weekendwear.com. Hopefully, they'll have the subscription and I'm telling you, if you love their artwork as much as we do, look into the potential subscription that they're going to offer in December, and you'll be able to get all of those shirts automatically sent to you uh, next year. But, Mike, listen, the the general updates, I just wanted to say again, you know, with, with us, you know, kind of celebrating that, that anniversary, the other key thing is you said it. Uh, remember, uh, it was Bill and it was Tony Rispoli. They get the lion's share of the credit, right? But anybody that ever helped them, with the Orlando Memorial Cruise. Those guys did it a long time. And I certainly didn't get a chance to go to every one of them. And I know towards the end, whatever happened, they kind of ended up, you know, sunsetting that, so to speak. But, Mike, they did a great thing for the scene. And to your point, that was like a popping off time for us because we took our equipment out there. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. We had a good time. And, you know, people then look at us like we were crazy. They said, hey, can we get on those microphones too? Uh, yeah, well, you say that like we actually know what we're doing now. <laughs> right, right. We don't. We certainly don't. <laughs> I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express one time, you know. but Oh, well, if that's the case, then all right. That, we're definitely qualified. Yeah, the big Q words, qualified. But as far as the general updates, I did want to just throw this one out to you, Mike. I got I got good news and I got bad news about SmutFest. So, so, look, you tell me which one you want first. <sighs> all right, let's go ahead and start with the bad news first. Okay. It's very, I regret to have to tell everybody this, Smut Fest for 2023 is not going to happen. But, 
the reason why is LMC, as you guys know, coerced OLP uh, to gallivant on up to Whitesburg, Kentucky. And, Mike, that's not where the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia, because, again, West Virginia is a different country, no, county, no, state. How do you pronounce? It's a different state. So... Bottom line is Smutfest is going to get, but it's going to give me more time, Mike. Because you know I'm, I'm, you know Mike. I love booking talent, okay. And this could be maybe the best event, the biggest event in Tampa's ever seen, dude. Imagine the the talent that I've got to book for a show that carries a name like Smutfest. Smutfest, excuse me. You know, because you know you're you're combining something with trucks. You know, I mean it's it's going to be a paradise, Mike. Mid October, you know. So, I'm working on I'm working on some Dude. things, but but the good news is again it is going to be I, I'm still working on it for 2024. So can't wait, can't wait. So we're going to West Virginia. So OLP is going to West Virginia, and what are we going to West Virginia for? Cruising with an ing. It's not actually cruising. Come on, ODB, enunciate. It's cruising with cruisers. And uh, we know Mike from lowest common denominator, a.k.a. LCD, and crew, they are, uh, you know, Mike's pretty much putting it on, right? Keeping me honest here. Yep. And Deputy Mike. Deputy Mike, and it's their third year, if I remember correctly. Now, I got to give credit where credit's due. I was talking to Randy earlier. You know, Randy had uh, partnered in, you know, basically said, hey, I'll come up with two ballistic. And then, you know, he was in my ear kind of coming home from, uh, he was coming home from East Tennessee Showdown. I was gallivanting home from Scraping the Coast, and we were talking, and then I talked to LMC, and he goes, yo, come up. So I think that's important. You know, I, I, I've been to some shows many, many, many years, and many of you have as well, like Relaxed Atmosphere All-Star Event, you know, for years was Labor Day weekend, that weekend, if you will. So I encourage people, Mike, we're doing it. We're trying to live vicariously. Uh, or allow everyone to live vicariously through us if you can't make it. But it's important to kind of get out and support if if you want, you know, get out and and, and go to some different shows. Um, you are absolutely correct. And uh, what better way to go out to some other shows than going out to Whitesburg, Kentucky? The wild and wonderful I, Whitesburg of Kentucky. I wonder wait, if I we could do it. I think you said West Virginia. I think you said West Virginia, but I believe it's in Kentucky, isn't it? Yeah. So, but I, let's do a spin. We could almost call this episode the Wild and Wonderful Whitesburg of Kentucky, or something like that. I mean, I know LCD is going to love this, you know. And I told him okay, I want to go. Well, for, I want to go to, to Long John Silver's up there. But Jay, it's really cool that we're going to go hang out with our favorite, hill, our favorite, our, our favorite hillbillies, okay, in Whitesburg. But bro. We're going to go hang out with our hammered homies this weekend at the Spark Show, Sevierville, Tennessee. I can't wait, bro. We actually leave when we're recording to Tuesday. We actually leave Wednesday. I get out of work, me and Mrs. Mayor jumping in the truck, hauling ass to Tampa, picking up ODB. We're not even stopping. He's just, he's just going to jump in the back of the truck, and we're hauling ass to Tennessee. Dude, it's going to be awesome. And because you have, how do you pronounce it, Mike? Um, a V4 cylinder or something in your truck? A V4 turbo. V4 turbo. turbo. We, we're we going to try to go the whole way without fueling up. And I think we can, Mike. Because certainly. Oh, well, I mean. 
I've already stashed yeah. my wallet. I had Maddie hide my wallet at the house. Okay. Because when you go to pick us up, basically, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have a legitimate story. I know I'm kind of snitching on myself now, but then if I can't find it, then you're going to have to, you know, you'll have to kind of front me for a couple weeks. You know, or at least the weekend, you know. Well, do you think maybe that, you know, the the Airhead Nation can help us out this weekend? Maybe, you know, buy some shirts from us or some banners or some metal signs or something to help us get back then? If everybody comes by, I'm going to say this. If you listen to the episode, we're going to give you a free item. If you make a purchase, we'll say minimum $20 purchase. You get a free item. No, no, we've got the free items. I mean, we'll have to kind of, you know, we'll have to make sure they don't hopefully go out the door quick. Because we know Mike, you know, Mike, well, not mean, me, Mike loves to just give them all away, like, you know, like 10. It's not going to be like that free that free plastic silverware you're going to get on the way up there from, like, <laughs> you know, when you stop at, at Chick-fil-A, is it? Or it's going to be, like, free Chick-fil-A sauce or something? I've got I'm not going to give away. I got a box of Chick-fil-A mints here, you know, I know only on Sundays, you know. Oh, dude, that's what we can do. We can give away free Chick-fil-A mints. Mints, dude, get a box of those. Uh, oh. We got. I got an idea. You know, we're Lake City Center, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're stopping there. Hey, exit four twenty seven, baby. I know exactly where it's at. The general updates brought to you by Lone Star Throwdown LST twenty twenty four is going down next year in Conroe, the last weekend in February. Uh, we do know, and Lonnie and Radar and Jared do know that the website has had challenges. All I can tell you is stay posted to their social media. I would highly encourage you guys uh, to. Come on out to the show. Now, I just went to LoneStarThrowdown.com. The show is 198 days away, but when you click on registration notice, it does say registration for 2024 show is currently on hold. Please watch social media pages for further updates and, and whatnot. So believe me, they've heard everybody loud and clear. They want it to be smooth. Nobody wants to wake up and have the hiccups. But it means, Mike, the demand is there, and that's great. So... You know, it's like, do you want to buy a pair of Jordans or do you want to go to LST? I want to go to LST. And they're about the same in terms of <laughs> trying to get a ticket. You know what I mean? So uh, It's about the same. Yes, you are correct. You are correct. All right, Mike. So we only got two more quick segments and then we're going to let you go. But first, I got a question. Are you ready? Now it's time to get serious. I'm always ready, baby, especially to get it wrong. So last week, I get to give an update uh, since we did the um, the last episode, rather. You probably haven't seen this movie, but I'll throw it out there before I give the answer. Do you remember the cold classic Splash? Daryl Hannah looking all you know what? You had Tom oh, she Hanks. Was a mermaid. Yeah. Oh, there you go, man. Well, that should have been the trivia question because I really didn't think you would have got that. But you had John Candy. <laughs> Do you remember the adult magazine that he hands out because he had an article that was published in it and he hands it out? But you know, there's only a few different adult magazines. So at the end of the day, I, I mean, well, I've been to your house. I've seen you've you've got quite a collection. But the mainstream ones. I mean, do you happen to remember what magazine it was? The name of it. <sighs> Bro, not Hugh. Hef- am, Hugh Hefner wasn't tied to it. No, I know it was Hustler, but I'm not allowed to know anything about any of this, dude. It was Penthouse, man, because he had the you know see, the story that was published in it. You know what I mean? Sure. See, I don't know nothing about this, so there's no way right. I could get that answer correct. Sizzle a little bit. 
<laughs> I like it. Okay, so here's the, here's the new one. I got I got this is a three-parter. You know, you got a chance for three p- tick marks. All right. I'll, I'll say this. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? That's a hint on the movie that we're going to talk about. You probably don't remember that movie though. That was Rest in Peace Pee Wee Herman. Now, we news broke about uh, a week and a half ago that Pee Wee Herman passed away. I think he passed away on Sunday, and then the news broke on Monday. Now, a lot of people think he was a crazy dude. If you actually read what happened, I remember reading an article years ago. He really got kind of bamboozled as far as everything I've read. So, But whatever. That, that's, that's neither here nor there. But in um, his first, you know, big movie that he wrote was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Do you know? Do you happen to know who directed that movie? It was his first director role, and if you think about Mike, he actually had a lot of movies that fell into that same kind of darkness. You know, that dark comedy or dark movie in general. His initials are TB. Oh man, I thought it was. I thought it was Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Well, it was actually, he directed <laughs> the first Batman movie in, what, 89? I don't know. And was it, it was Tom Bennett? Dude, Tim, yeah, TV? Tom Bennett. Yeah, he got me into Vanilla Ice. We didn't even talk about that. Vanilla Ice. Dude, ice we didn't baby. even talk about you meeting Ice Vanilla Ice Baby, ice. dude. Stop, collaborate, Man. and listen. Biggity Mike the Mayor's back with a brand new billet wheel. Something grabs a hold of him tightly. Something, I don't know where we're going with this. but Yeah, you close like a harpoon daily and nightly. Would it ever stop, yo? I don't know. Turn out the lights and ODB glows. Yeah, you better say, yeah, you like that, because I thought you were going to say a different word. I was like, no. No way, not me, <laughs> not when the lights are off. So you you had uh, uh, Tim Burton, which, by the way, he, he's he's directed a ton of movies. Um, they're hey Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Be- I don't know if you know this. They're they're actually right now they're getting ready to start filming for Beetlejuice too. It's been in the works a long time, and Tim Burton is involved. Same location, they've rebuilt the house on top of the hill. There's people already going there doing the filming locations before they even started filming the movie. Isn't that nuts? Who, Crazy. Who was uh, who was Beetlejuice in that? Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah, who played Batman as well? Is he, is yes. he coming back? He is. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Okay, number two. What what was stolen from Pee Wee in Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Do you remember that? Wasn't it his bike? Yeah, his bike, dude. See, I'm trying to help you yes. with the tech park deals. And then, yes. yeah, and then I think um, maybe I'll just do two, man. Because I mean, look, let's end let's end on a high note. You know what I mean? I don't want to have it <laughs> absolutely. Downer. Hey, the best part of that whole movie, though, because this was a cult classic. The truck stop is the dance on top of the bar. Tequila. We should do that yeah. this weekend. Tequila. Remember the bikers were pissed, dude. but then they loved hey, them, the, dude. Yes, yes. The Friday night pre-party at the Spark Show. Let's do the Pee Wee Herman dance in memory of Paul. I don't remember his last Rubens. name. But his first name was Paul. Paul Rubens. Thank you. And celebrate our anniversary, dude. I I'll lead the way, dude. This will be uh, awesome. You know, right. not not walk like an Egyptian. So Let's just be honest. Let's, we're talking about Pee Wee Herman. No, you know, no, tequila. no, no. Whatever that Pee Wee Herman dance was. Yeah. Yeah, his yeah, Walk but, of Fame star yeah. says Pee Wee Herman because he literally embodied that character. Like he, I mean, he he. That's who he was. You know, whether you like it or not, it's who he was. But we'll make sure your glass has water in it because you are not only are you no longer drinking alcohol. So make sure everybody 
mad props to ODB this weekend. He stopped drinking the alcohol. That was December 11th was my last brewski. I made it to e- – dude, yes. when I made it to Eastbound Get Down, which, by the way, EBGD for short, but Eastbound Get Down, Mike, I heard it's still – it's it's coming what, January 2024? January 12th through the 14th, 2024, Destination Daytona. It's Martin Luther King weekend. And so make sure you guys are there. Pre-registration will open up September 1st. So just make sure you guys are just follow the the, uh, the social medias. And um, I know everybody loves parking around the pavilion, either underneath the pavilion or around the pavilion. So if you want to secure your parking spots around the pavilion or underneath the pavilion, make sure you get those pre-registrations in. And just hit up eastboundgetdownshow.com. It'll be opening up September 1st, Labor Day weekend. Going to be good, man. It's going to be great. Uh, trivia with Mike brought to you by, speaking of The Spark Show, uh, visit thesparksshow.com. I know you're thinking, why? Well, this show is every August. It's in Sevierville, Tennessee. And for those scoring at home, Sevierville, Tennessee now has, as of the time of this recording, the biggest buckies in the world. I think they're going to get toppled, is my understanding, very soon. But... Hopefully you're going to make it up there. We've been talking about the show. Adam and Dizzy came on recently. They're good people. 10th annual. Graphic Disorder does their artwork. You know, their their show stuff is all... Everything is ratcheted up with this event. And uh, they're good people. So, thesparkshow.com. Uh, you can tap on the hashtag, thesparkshow. Or you can follow them on Instagram. We'll be doing some cross-promoting this weekend to highlight the show. Some reels, some photos. Uh, hashtagging. Uh, okay, Mike, so the last thing I had for you is I wanted to say I hope that I hope that we're able to get our guests this week. I, I know it's it's been a little challenging sometimes, so I'll talk a little bit about that towards the end. But, you know, at the end of the day, Mike, it's cool that we can always jump on, even if it's every couple weeks. And when people, you know, we constantly hear this. They go, hey, thanks for the podcast. It helps me get through a tough week. You know, everybody's got different kinds of jobs, some more stressful than others. Some can listen to podcasts during work, some can't. But certainly we appreciate all the listeners. And, Mike, uh, I know it's been hot out there, dude. I can't believe the U.S. Postal Service. I know you don't give a rats. I still can't believe they haven't given you guys air-conditioned trucks. But, dude, one thing I never hear you do is complain. Uh, No, sir. I'm just glad that I have the job that I have. I can do what I do. And, uh, dude, life is good. I look forward to hanging out with you, Scotty, the body, Jenna Lease, the mayor, uh, the, I'm say Mrs. Mayor, um, and DJ Mays is going to be there. Dominic. I mean, Dom is going to be there. Hank's going to be there. The hammered homies, everybody's going to be there. So make sure you guys are in Sevierville, Tennessee this weekend for the spark show. Cannot wait, man. We'll see you soon, Mike. We're going to get sideways. Uh, like you said, just slow down to about 30, and I'll try to jump in the bed of the truck that way. Because I want to – if you don't have to slow down, you might be able to cons- you know, conserve some fuel a little bit, you know? Uh, no, 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 no. There is no slowing down, um, <laughs> you know, no no brakes. Uh, just jump in and, uh, and just hold on tight. <laughs> I love it, man. Drive safe up to Tampa. Stay on the rise, Mike. We'll talk soon. Sounds good, brother. Man, it's always a blast. Link it up. And we're trying to keep things fresh. Uh, next, we got ODB Live and Uncut. And I said this recently. I think we actually you know, really tried to do this the past eight years, but Unite the Scene. 
I would encourage you to get out there, encourage others to get involved, especially the younger generation. I think they often get kind of dumped on. It's like, hey, you know, these kids, they don't want to work. They don't want to do this. Listen, man, it's all a society. Uh, I see plenty of young, hardworking kids that are out there, some of the listeners. You know, it's everybody's different. Everybody's raised different. But encourage people to get involved in the truck scene. Something I always have to remind myself is we all play a different role in this scene, if you really think about it. I know sometimes people go, well, you know, this guy, you know, he's never really built anything. Or, man, this guy's been coming to shows and he's never really bringing stuff or whatever. But when you really break it down, some build trucks, some cruise trucks, some help others build their dreams. Some guys or ladies are, you know, a show promoter. They put on an event. There's other people that are photographers. Some are the hype men, right, or ladies. They, they just, you know, they're always hyping you up. Yo, yeah, let's do this. I'll come by. I'll help you out. You know, maybe haven't ever had anything of their own, but they've always got your back. Uh, there's some people there, again, that are just always there for the support. You know, someone that you can always go, yo, I'm thinking about bagging this. I'm thinking about buying this. What do you think, right? Just throwing an idea someone's way. Not everyone can afford these big builds, or these, you know, big expenses to go to these huge out-of-state shows, right? Or to go to SEMA and do all this stuff. So we, you know, I think to sum it up, we, we all kind of play our role in this. Uh, oftentimes, you know, I kind of feel like, hey, I'm going to a show and I'm not bringing something. But, like, I'm there. I kind of feel like in the past 25, really, I started reading the magazines at least in 93. So I'm, I, I kind of consider 30 years in, but really going to shows since 96. In my time, I feel like my role in the scene has kind of morphed a little bit. Like I don't want an award. I don't, you know, I, I enjoy talking to the people, but you know, I, I don't want to, I, I, that's just, I don't do it for that kind of stuff. I just want to go to the show. I, I actually get more satisfaction going and looking at the trucks and then doing like a video and posting it and someone go, Hey man, I really appreciate you posting my truck. That was cool. That was a cool video. Wow. Yeah, you know, if you think about too, like at Mini-Nats, like I took probably, you know, 300 short videos, you know, not like five-minute video and then hit stop, you know, like short videos. And I had a lot of people that were like, man, that was really cool that you did a video on my truck. Like nobody did a video on my truck, right? Because there's so many nice things there. So to me, that's an important thing, but it's also highlighting some of these shows, you know, and kind of reinforcing like, hey, tap on Mini-Nats. Top or uh, tap on scraping the coast, tap on Lone Star Throwdown, you know, and, and hit follow, right? That helps these shows out. So that's my message this week. Just get out, unite the scene, help people get out there. If you got beefs, bury them. We're not getting any younger. And I tell you, oftentimes when someone passes away, whether it's a family member or a loved one or someone that was a homie, a lot of times people, from what I've seen, with my own eyes, you know, they say, man, you know, God, I, I wish that I would have been on better terms with so-and-so. May have happened to you, you know, someone passes away in your family, maybe it's a super close, you know, loved one, you man, if I could just say one more thing to that person. I know it sounds sappy, but literally, that's the message, you know, bury those beefs, get out there, slap hands, have fun, because I'm telling you, I think about a lot of people um, that are no longer with us right around the recording of this, you know, Danny Rowe back in the day, Acrophobia 2000, was it 2001, I think it was, or 2002 rather, I think it was 2002. You know, he was an electrician. If I remember correctly, he lost his life. You know, a lot of us have had 21 years longer than some people that have just, they're no longer with us. So, 
you got to make the best of that. And something that I take, I, I guess my last thought here is, you know, I often will reshare some of Ice T's posts. By the way, he's got a short podcast every day that's like a, a five minute podcast every day. I think it's five or maybe even seven days a week where they post and it's like short motivational things. They got a little lead in with an ad and then a little lead out with an advertisement. But for the most part, it's it's just like this cool, short, good message from Ice Mother F and T. And I picked up a lot of things from him over the years. And you know, he a lot of times will say, "F them." You know, you have to you have to get to the mentality of like. You can't let other people bring you down. You know, other people are like, oh, well, you know, that guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a good podcast voice or he's got a stupid truck or as long as you're not harming anyone or you're not, you know, stealing from someone, you know, some of those things, okay, you're crossing the line. But as long as you're out there doing good and you're having fun and you're treating people right, dude, the sky's the limit. ODB Live and I Cut brought to you by our family at Get Decked. Joey is good people. Uh, Joey Dilworth, I know he spends a lot of time with his son, and I would encourage you guys to check him out. Uh, he does all of our skate decks. If you're a show or let's say you want to put your significant other's ride on a skate deck or a photo, rather, you can hit up Joey Dilworth at getdecked underscore VA. He's also on Facebook, Dilworth. Look up Joey Dilworth. Good dude, and uh, we appreciate what he does. All of these big shows are running skate decks now, and uh, I certainly love everyone's satisfaction they get from seeing what we put out. So thanks, Joey. Okay, next we got the scene updates, and this is going to be cool. I'm going to try to keep this a little shorter in terms of the content that I share, but I want to call the homie Randy Frederick from Negative Camper, Florida. I want to talk to him a little bit about some big news that he's going to share related to, to Ballistic it's going to be pretty awesome, and it's going to be great for the scene. At, remember what I always say, ask not what the scene can do for you. Ask what you can do for the scene, and that goes back to the ODB Live and I Cut message just a moment ago. Let's call the big homie. Yo, as I mentioned, we're going to call Randy Frederick, and you pick up on the first, dude, the, the first ring, it did, I don't think it rang once. No, one ring Sally, brother, one ring Sally. Pick it up, that's how important your call is, bro. I can pick up on one ring. <laughs> Ah, man, I appreciate the good word. What's cool, though, is we, we obviously, man, you're st- I'm still on this high from almost four months ago at Mini Nats, but since Mini Nats to Ballistic, you also hit the show in Ocala. Talk to us a little bit about that before we talk about the big news a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fellow Florida camera guys and I went out to that street truck. Uh, I want to say it's street truck, street truck something, and we went out there in Ocala at, at Don Garlitz, uh Showgrounds. The show-off, and, right, series? Yeah, the, oh, that's it. That's right, the show-off series. You're correct. Okay. Yep. And we went out there and had a blast. Uh, beautiful weather, no rain, sunshine, and, and just had a good time. And, you know, uh, the top three trucks happened to be camber trucks, which was pretty cool. You know, you had uh, CJ Fit with his uh, Blazer, Dave DeCorver with his Dually, and then they picked uh, two Ballistic for the top show and you know when, when you got if you won the show like that you get an automatic cover so i'm excited i'm excited to have a mini truck on the cover of street trucks and you know when it does come out these people need to come out and buy it and show them hey mini trucks do sell magazines yeah i couldn't agree more with that and dude all i got to say is can nc florida just kind of leave a little bit for the rest of us man <laughs> no but you guys repped hard man 
Yeah, yeah. I'm real proud of the guys and the girls that are in the club uh, showing out really nice. Uh, no complaints as far as show quality, you know. Yeah, and CJ still, I mean, I mean, his truck, it's crazy. There's some years that all these rides come out, and, you know, in, in an off year, you know, some of these trucks are like, boom. I mean, it's, I mean, they're, they're still awesome. But man, this year is it's 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 going to be tough pickings for our OLP picks of the year. But uh, you know, CJ with it, you know, your truck, the you know, decor versus full size. Like, I mean, it's just making it tougher and tougher with the caliber of these rides. No, for sure, it is. Uh, that's what we do. We try to do represent the club very well. Our chapter, you know, like with any other club, there's drama, you know, everywhere. So you can't help but have that but you know it's a it's just a gr- great bunch of people girls and guys in the, in the florida chapter you know uh and they're bringing the heat you know i yeah. i have always said you know what i mean i've always said to be better you hang out with better people than you and it brings you up you know what i mean yes Yes, that's a, that's a good way to put it, Randy. You mentioned street trucks. I would tell people go to streettrucksmag.com. You can obviously subscribe there. They've got digital and print. The other thing, Mike and I talked about you know, our anniversary of the podcast is August every year. But also, think about this. I know you'll remember this. Back 24 years ago, August 99, even a little bit before that, you know, with Courtney going to all these different shows and there was this big shakeup, you know, him, Stillwell, uh, recipes Steve and Courtney, and then you have Brian McCormick, who we've also had on. They go out and start, you know, this new venture uh, along with the publishing company, and boom, we have Street Trucks. Twenty-four years ago, this month, the first issue, and you probably remember hearing some of the buzz about, it. oh, there's a new magazine coming out. For sure, for sure, Jason. Yeah, just the quality of that magazine when it came out. Every page was glossy, you know, super nice, nice features, and not not scared to put oddball things on the cover. Right, you know what absolutely, I mean? yeah, definitely, and you know that's that's the insane thing, and it was such a a good pedigree of the the crew, but you know you mentioned Brandon Burrell a few minutes ago. I think it's important, you know, to me. I think Brandon's doing a great job. You know, as as anybody could imagine, it's a prestigious role to have, and there's not a lot of magazines left, at least especially in the U.S. that are catered to our you know genre. So it's it's very cool, and and Brandon knows. I've got a lot of faith in him, but I, I'm happy to see, you know, he's putting in the effort. He, he I, I'd imagine he's beating deadlines. You know, I'm, I'm submitting things to him earlier than I have in the past. So he's doing a great job, I think. Oh, I, I, I have to agree with that 100%. Uh, just the, the, the passion that he has for the scene and knowing, you know, uh, the older trucks, that means a lot, you know, rather than get some guy in there that has no clue of what, you know, ballistic or, or, or uh, last look. You know, you want you want somebody in there that's passionate about the scene, right? To to further produce the mag, push the magazine further, rather than let it just get stale and, and boring. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And, and speaking of that, when you think about you know, two ballistic, this build kind of a a tribute build, but obviously like you know, thirty years later, just just on a different level because of the progression of things. Something that stuck out to me is at Mini Nats, the truck was shot, and I do know nobody's going to be able to understand the reading of it, but I know it was important for you uh, that we did the full episode, which was neat. We had 10-plus people on, but when you see it in the pages of an international publication like Custom Trucks Mag, it's got to make you feel good and saying, damn, we did something you know, as a crew, as a team, 
that that really resonated worldwide. Yeah, I mean, again, I can't say uh, give enough credit to those guys, but just my vision and their skills, and for a truck to come out like that, running, driving, you know, no issues. And I have to give 100% credit to Eric Felber because he kept pushing me as far as doing the stereo. I want to just bring it out with no stereo, right? He goes, no, man, it's got to come out with everything all at once. And, and I argued and argued and argued and finally just gave in. And he couldn't have been more right, to be honest. You know, if it wasn't for those guys, I don't know where the truck would, I, would, it, would it have ever gotten done to the quality that I, that I wanted. Yeah, I would tell people Chuck Healy is our plug. We've had Chuck on in the past, uh, also known as Redbeard is what I refer to him as. You can reach out to him, and you obviously some of these issues go pretty quick. But uh, these Custom Trucks Mag, also CTM for short, they're, you know, they're not easy to get your hands on. You can get a good deal through Redbeard. But I would tell people if you... If you want to see more mini truck content, I, I mean, dude, I can, I'm sure, like you, Randy, I could look at those mags all day. Yeah, the, the quality that the Japanese bring to the table is astounding, right? I mean, the, just the cleanliness. Some of the mods I don't agree with, like the bazooka or hazooka exhaust, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just the, the attention to detail that those guys put in is amazing. And like I said, if it wasn't for Chuck, it wasn't for you pushing, maybe two ballistic would have never been in custom trucks magazine but it's in there and it's in this month's issue uh and it's awesome it's awesome to have it in a japanese magazine even though i can't read it you know they make translators and stuff but uh it it just it's from where this truck started to where it's ended and it's still a whirlwind um it's amazing and and really i got to give props to pat nickel for having the original idea to be honest with you i just i don't necessarily improved on it i just think i we built something that he would have done now instead of back in 1993. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and we got the Borat. He translated the uh, smart. I mean, it's truck man. You know, Borat. Right, truck stuff man. In. Right, smart. I mean, truck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. But the cool thing was, though, being friends with you and homies and brothers is, like, over the past couple of years, I got a chance to see some of the stuff. And, and, you know, I'm a type of person that if somebody goes, yo, hey, don't share this, you know, we, we kind of had the same mindset. And... What was cool is seeing, you know, obviously Render by Thor, as we talked about before, does this awesome rendering for you. But when you started to have this vision, you go, you know, obviously everybody wants to get featured. And then you go, man, it would be just awesome to get that. And then you go, okay, you go to the shows and everybody's loving it, right? And you're getting all this good publicity out of it. And then you go to the show-off series and you do well there. I start to go, wow, like, man, you know, some of these runs that people have been on with their trucks – are awesome like an eddie gordy you know he's he's really been hitting the pavement hard and doing his damn thing and then you know you come along and you've had this good run but kind of the good news hasn't stopped yet right so talk to us a little bit about something that people may see a little bit later this year randy yeah when i first started this dream or this build um i had you know back in what 93 as a kid you can't afford everything that you can afford now as an adult right Yep. And I always had, I've always loved car stereo and I've always loved kicker. Um, and I started accumulating kicker products from like 1995, like stuff that I bought. I had two amps and a head unit and some, uh, from, I had sold a buddy and he still had them and I bought them, traded, a, traded 
back for it. And when I was going through the deal and I had the rendering by Thor, I talked to our buddy Tim Smith that works at Kicker, but he's also a Camber member, right? I said, hey, I'm. this is what I'm doing. I said, would you mind looking through the amps that I have? You know, send them back. I'll pay, whatever. <clears throat> and he said, sure, no problem. He got looking at the, the rendering, and I was showing him the one-off wheels that I had Colorado Customs make. You know, um, and he was like, man, this really maybe seems like something we might want in our SEMA booth for the uh, and, uh, 2023. I'm like, man, that would be awesome, you know, because I turned 50 and Kicker this year turns 50. Yes. And it's it's been a whirlwind, man. Tim Smith and Kicker have bent over backwards for me. They uh, sponsored the truck. They gave me a ton of wiring and fusing and RCAs. I sent all my amps back. They couldn't believe the amount of stuff that I have that, you know, um, so they went through the amps and Eric and those guys, they put everything up and uh, we're going to be in SEMA's, uh, at SEMA and Kicker's booth in the North Hall in booth number 10741. Um, if you guys want to come see us, um, it's a dream come true, right? You get all these people building cars and never once get inside, but for me, you know, a, a guy in Florida, coming from Orlando area, Florida, to go to Kicker and then get into their booth at SEMA, it's just like a dream, like a bucket list, a dream come true, right? Especially with the truck that me and my buddies have thought about doing a recreation for years, and now here it is to fruition. And some people would have thought I would have given up on the project, but I had Eric and those guys pushing it. Dude, I had spent so much money with the wheels and the steering wheel, it's like I couldn't give in. You know, it's uh, it's been, been, been nothing but a whirlwind with this truck, meeting new people, you know, up at Mini Nats, and, and just, it's just been awesome. I, I couldn't say, I, you couldn't even plan it, to be honest. Yeah, it's been just really surreal even just kind of watching it all come together. And obviously it takes passion. It takes a lot of money, as you know, and it came out so awesome. And I'm reminded, I would tell people, Listen, I know some some people are on the road. They're listening. When you get a chance, go on Facebook or YouTube and type in Pickle Fab. And when you watch this video, it's 10 minutes and, and you know, 10, 11 minutes. You're going to see at the end where it mentions basically Eric Felber, Matt Reynolds, Fred LeBron, or Hebron, 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 Hebron. Uh, yep. Steve Hansen, Chad Gill, Paul Davis, April Hebron. Uh, Greg Ludwig, Nate Doyle, Amanda Reynolds, Adrian Hansen, Yoakum, John Yoakum, uh, Tommy, Top Ropes Tommy Warwick, Laura Warwick, Heather, Eric Nash, Wes Day, Shane Lewis, Steve Smith, and, and more people. Uh, but you can see, most importantly, you, you see all of the work, all the effort that went into it. And what's interesting is I've been doing these flip-throughs on our YouTube channel uh, of the magazine, and, and I'm at like 2004 right now, 2003, 2004. And you see, SEMA was a lot different then. There were a lot of mini trucks there. Now, obviously, trends kind of come and go. But I was excited coming off last year, you know, with Jeremy having his Maverick, kind of a newer school mini truck. Now, this year, we're going to see the old school vibe of two ballistic out there. It's just going to be awesome. Yeah, and you're also going to have uh, Finnegan's truck out there as well. I know that, you know, for sure, that's too many trucks there. You know, and, and we can't forget, it's not just Heather, it's Heather Yoko, you know. Yes, oh yeah, yeah, she'll she'll go top ropes even on Tommy, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, she'll go top ropes. <laughs> right, she'll take, she'll take, right? Hank, she might, yeah, she might be the only one that could take out Hank Norris, you know. Yeah, Hank Norris, absolutely. 
I bet you Heather throws Chinese stars. You know what I mean? I bet you she's got some of those in her purse. That's a throwback <laughs> term for you right there. Remember when we were kids, dude? You go to the flea market and get a Chinese star, dude. A Chinese star for sure. Dude, oh, that's so great. When you are not at a show, you know, I've seen a couple photos of the truck, you know, parked there at the house, right? And do you just sometimes look at it and just go, man, that's my fucking truck? Oh, for, for sure. I open up the garage and you almost got to pinch yourself from seeing where it started and where, where it ended. It, it is amazing. It's weird seeing it in my garage and then, you know, we just acquired a truck for my wife and seeing it next to that is just, like I said, I posted a, a recently relationship goals, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, it's just cool to get my wife finally involved and she enjoys driving the truck and she won't touch too ballistic. She's afraid she might do something. She's, we're getting driveway poured at my house now and she says, oh, we can't, we can't open the garage doors. We got show trucks in there and one of them I'll move, but the other one I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot <laughs> pole, you know. Sarah's so, good people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 30, we, I've been together with since high school, 31 years and without her, I, none of this would have been possible. So, you know, those Eric and those guys get a lot of credit, but I, you know, you rarely get to mention her. But she's right there in my mind and my thoughts. The same as when I mention Eric and Fred, you know, the Mocha mechanic and, and those guys. Uh, if it was, you got to have a better half, like the, like a yin and a yang, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, like the old NC Florida truck used to have the yin yang logo in the bed of it. Remember? The, yes, sir. That was uh, Brian Peralt's truck. It was a no. It was it was a full size step side. Oh, not a splash. Yeah, step side. Yeah. Same same concept, step side bed. But yeah, we uh, just enjoy having the truck now. Just gotta save money to get to SEMA. I'm dry. I'm trailering it out there in my 24 foot enclosed trailer, so that's gonna be a nice fuel bill, you know. But the next show we're hitting is uh, cruising with cruisers. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that or not, but we're heading up there to see the uh, LCD boys and have a good time and help get some money for you know less needed uh, kids for Christmas. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, all of your friends and clubmates, they have to put up with you at shows and the cabin and stuff, but Sarah's got to put up with you 24-7, so we do tip our cap to her, you know? Oh, she's been called a saint, you know, because she puts up with my shenanigans. Gotcha, 10-4, man. That's uh, that's great. She's good people. The, the cool thing is, you know, obviously you debut the truck this year. It's already in one feature. You mentioned with the show-off series – what we're going to potentially see here in the very near future. I know some of that stuff is still in the works. And then you kind of put semen, the icing on the cake for it. You mentioned the truck. I thought it was awesome because you, you've always had cool stuff, but the, the little Toyota red truck that you had, I think it was a 79. That truck I thought was going to be pretty cool, but you, you, you always have your ear out on social media of other cool stuff. And from my understanding was you were able to work a deal. And I tell you what, that Tacoma that you ended up with, that, that Sarah has now, man, that thing is freaking awesome. Yeah, um, I couldn't pass the deal up, Jason. It was too good of a deal. Even though I had a ton of parts for that 79, which we it was, I traded a fellow club member, DJ Roberts, up in Tennessee. This boy didn't really want to learn to drive stick shift or standard, whichever you want to call it. And mine happened to be an automatic. It kind of worked out. And, Man, he he could be happier, and my wife could be happier. So it's a win-win on that. Yeah, definitely. What I would tell people is, if you by any chance are going to be able to make it to SEMA, I think you can still register, but try to get out there. 
I know on Monday, I got to look back and see what Bob has maybe shared. Typically, Monday is the Freaks of Nature show, which is what they call the SEMA kickoff show. Shout out to to Freak Shannon. Those uh, kinfolk, they all get together, and then they have the Mini Truck Hall of Fame induction that night. So that'll be an opportunity for people. I know this year they're doing some different things, trying to get people a little bit more involved, maybe like a newer style SEMA Ignited, that type of thing. But certainly... To be able to be in Vegas with that awesome truck, with those colors, and then to see it in the under the lights in Vegas in terms of the convention center, it's going to be unreal, man. Again, Jason, I couldn't be more humbled by uh, and thankful for the guys that helped, especially Tim Smith with Kicker and Kicker themselves. You know, they've been nothing but helpful and and really had nothing but nice things to say about the truck, which made me happy. They 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 quoted it as it being a street rod but with a mini truck body on it which is a flattering uh you know uh i don't know yeah lots of words (laughs) yeah compliment there you go there you go yeah and i and i gotta say this because i'm I'm looking at the pickle fab video now and there's a little you know garage gear clothing they had posted a cool photo of uh nc rolling back from the photo shoot at mini nats and you see John and Heather Yoakum's S10. You know, the interior is so nice on that. There's just, you know, obviously we're talking about NC right now, but there's so many high-caliber trucks out there, and it's just a great time to be involved with the scene. I just go to these shows, and I'm just salivating every which way I turn. Like, I was a little on um, overload at Mini Nats, you know, seeing finally the Ombre, and then, of course, you know, two Ballistic over in our booth, and even DeCorver coming through with the full size, and just a lot of cool stuff out there, but... We always appreciate you taking some time, Randy. Uh, any Anything else you want to add? No, I just hope to see everybody in SEMA. I can't wait. Uh, very excited to see what the future holds and uh, see what we can do next. Love it, brother. Well, I'm going to keep on keeping on with the episode. We're going to call John. It looks like he's locked in. Uh, John Lotto, I believe is how you say his last name. And uh, we're going to... I can't wait to see the photos and videos. I'm still... Right now, I've been looking at flights, trying to go out there at least for like half a week. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, I know Mike Finnegan's is going to be there, but I'll be uh, lying if I'm not saying that I'm most excited to see your truck out there, brother. Uh, Thank you so much for the kind words and all your help, brother. That means a lot. Stay on the rise, man. The rocket emoji for life, dog. All right. We out you. Hey, that was awesome, Randy. Thanks for taking the time, as I mentioned. Now, the good news is, uh, this is sometimes what you got to do with podcasting. It, the I tell people all the time, scheduling is, is really the toughest part. I'm sure if you talk to the Custom Scene podcast or LCD or Future Mini Trucker podcast or the Mini Trucker Cold, maybe even Brian and Frank, I'm probably forgetting one. And if I am, I apologize. LCD podcast. Scheduling is, is typically the toughest part. And I did get confirmation, it looks like, from John that he's going to be able to record. So John is is really an OG in the scene, and that's going to be great. So we'll get to that. I don't want to go too far down that bunny trail yet. Hopefully, we'll be able to record, and um, we'll knock that out. Now, speaking of street trucks, I know Randy and I talked a little bit about it. I wanted to give the Holly Boys, uh, Ricky Holly, a huge shout-out. Uh, I've known of these guys for many years, and it's it's really cool. I kind of call it an honor to slap hands with them, talk with them. I mean, these uh, Ricky and his brother, his brother's had a Lincoln 65 for a long time. I know if I posted a photo, you'd be like, yo, I remember seeing that car, even at Tex-Mex back in the day and, and just different shows. But the uh, his truck, his C10, is on the cover of Street Trucks July 
2023, so low lead up. Uh, I think the new issue has come. I don't have it. Maybe I do right here. Yeah, August is also a C10. How he does it is is kind of the spin there with a with a um, an older C10 than Ricky's, but uh, Lolita certainly is awesome. Uh, really dig flipping through these magazines and uh, tip of the cap to Brandon Burrell. I know it's different these days because social media. I don't want to say ruins it. I mean, we all, we're all most of us are on social media. Something about it, you know. Obviously, our generation we love our print mags, but if you can. You know, subscribe. They've got the little cards in there. You know, you save time. You save you, you save money. You save effort. You save fuel from driving around trying to pick up a magazine. But I'm gonna pull one out now here, and it's like six months, six issues, thirteen ninety five. One year is twenty five ninety five. So magazine stuff has went up a little bit. Two years, twenty four issues is forty ninety five. But think about it, forty uh, twenty four issues. I mean, two bucks a piece gets you to forty-eight dollars. I mean, it's really—I mean, sure, it's forty bucks in one hit, but that's that's a lot. That's a lot of issues. So, um, potentially check it out there. We certainly appreciate uh, the support. I write a column there, and I'm thankful to be able to do that every single month. Now, speaking of magazines, I wanted to cover this last episode. I don't think I did the Custom Trucks mag. The new issue is out, and I'm just going to say volume 47 because, you know, going over the the month and date on these, it gets a little confusing. But what I will say with this issue is it's awesome. It really, really is. And to to be able to get this magazine from halfway around the world from Chuck Healy is always cool to me. Joey Whitby, you know, recent Hamburg Weekend Wear feature, uh, his truck is in here. It's as relaxed taco as it should be. And then you also have Randy's two ballistic. I was able to help, you know, push the envelope on this one. Certainly I did not pull all the strings. I did submit a couple of things, but at the end of the day, uh, you have the rendered by Thor rendering in here. You've got some behind the scenes photos and, uh, it's pretty awesome. Now I don't think Mikado had all of the Intel on it. Um, it's basically, they did this issue that I'm looking at was the project scoop. And this is where they basically um, gave a little bit of intel. Like, pretty much aligned. It came out shortly after Mininat. So it couldn't have really been aligned any bit anymore. So that was uh, that was awesome. So those are the scene updates that I wanted to cover for this week. I know there's more, but I'm trying to stay streamlined a little bit. The scene updates is brought to you by Garage Gear Clothing. You can visit garagegearclothing.com. They have options for free shipping. They're also at many shows nationwide, garagegearclothing.com. But remember, you can also go on YouTube and follow them. They're good people. Apparel and accessories for all the automotive enthusiasts. Okay, next we got the industry news. So I recently brought this back. And this is something I did not see coming from the industry, so to speak. Now, I was 22 years in the cellular business. I lived and breathed it every day. Phones, of course, went from car phones to brick phones to flip phones to small phones to smartphones to huge eh, and tiny phones. You know, iPhone's big, but it is thin, so huge, tiny, whatever, to pretty much computers, right? iPhones, Android device, Samsung, you name it. 
we spend a lot of time in our rides. I forget what the average person per year or per lifetime. I've heard the stat before. It's a lot of time that we we spend in our cars. And this was kind of out of left field. So again, it does tie into the industry, car, truck industry, if you will, is what we're talking about here. But GM is going to stop supporting, basically kill off any support for Apple CarPlay. And one of the articles I read earlier this year, I don't know if anything has changed, and Android Auto for its EVs. Now, that was that was a big thing, and you kind of go, well... I don't care about EVs, right? So you're like, ah, eh, whatever. Now, it was going to begin with EVs, I believe. And this other article, Detroit Free Press, says a huge blunder GM's decision to ditch Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, sparks backlash. Now, this one, again, I know this isn't anything that's like hot news, so to speak. But I will say this. It's insane to me because a lot of us got to the point where we would switch out our head units, right? You get a new car, you were on Crutchfield, you were at your local car stereo place, you know, I'd go on eBay looking to see what was out there. And you couldn't wait to start blowing apart your your ride to, to, to update it. CD player, a flip out, those were super popular for a while. Then you had screens. Now you guys got to put, in, you know, people putting iPads and everything. But you know, CarPlay makes the smartphone features basically available on the touchscreen or often referred to as the infotainment system. So bottom line from what I've seen is that GM is going to stop that support. So like, let's say, you know, let's just say two years down the road, iPhone you know 20 comes out, whatever number it's going to be. Then you plug it in, it's just going to charge your phone. And I know you're thinking, well, you know, who really cares, you know, well, if you think about me, I'm not a huge fan of all of those, the GM infotainment, you know, UI is what it's called, the user interface. Now, granted, if it gets better, that's one thing. But to me, six years ago, my wife had bought a new car. We never really had anything with that. And when we drove from here to basically up to Canada, I mean, it was just awesome. You know, having Waze right on the screen, I'm a big Waze user. I just, I question this. Um, in this Detroit Free Press article, uh, Huge Blunder, it says a one high-profile influencer, tech writer Walt Mossberg, uh, shared on his LinkedIn professional page on April 4th article, The Verge headline, Everyone Hates GM's Decision to Kill Apple CarPlay and Android Auto for its EVs. Mossberg introduced the article by saying, I think this is a huge blunder, which puts greed over consumer choice. I wouldn't buy a car without CarPlay, and I bet millions of others feel that way. Now, I tried to find a few other articles. There are a lot of things. A lot of stuff is still kind of piggybacking off of this. Now, I have not seen anything. You guys can keep me honest. I haven't seen anything that has uh, that where GM has decided to switch their plans. You know, and we're talking about stuff news that broke like four months ago. But I just wanted to kind of cover it. The ironic thing is, I know a lot of people go, "Well, why? You know, do they have? Okay, so they maybe they have a little bit of staff that has to work around." the implementation of just making sure it's in the vehicle, you know, it, does it cost a little bit more to have something, you know, in the, the ECU or ECM to allow for this to work? You go, okay, there's cost, whatever. But bottom line, everything that I've read is we all know this. Unfortunately, everything in this world now is like subscription based, right? The local car wash is subscription based. It's X amount per month, right? You drive through if that's what you do. But what everybody is is thinking is that GM, you know, they've got the bean counters and they go, 
you know, how do we make more money? You know, at the end of the day, you know, enough money today isn't enough money in 20 years, right? They have to show they're increasing their profits, you know, they're paying their shareholders, blah, blah, blah. So really what the name of the game is, they want to get into something that many of you have seen already in these cars over the course of time. You know, you get your Sirius XM, whatever it's called now, is it just XM? But you also have, like these cars have 5G connectivity, they have this, they have that. So with, with someone like you or I just getting in our vehicle, plugging in our phone, we're just like, hey, that's great. You know, Apple has a new feature, great, I can listen to Spotify, whatever. They want to get in on the revenue side of that. So, you know, maybe it's a $20, maybe it's a $30, whatever that package is per month. And, you know, you could argue and say, hey, I would be happy to do that if I had this great user interface, you know, and it was just awesome and I just click on it and just all this cool stuff pulls up and all the apps update, I pull in my garage and everything's magic. But you and I both know the OEMs really haven't had that great of success with like the software side of things. You know, everybody knows Ram trucks because of these huge screens. We've seen the other companies kind of come out with them. Tesla, of course, dare I say, had the first, you know, the the big, big screen. They don't support CarPlay. So I know some people would argue and say, well, hey, you know, this, I'm not a Tesla fan anyways, but at the, at the end of the day, I think it's a kind of an odd decision and I'm wondering if it will pay off. Maybe it will. You know, a lot of people were saying, oh, Netflix doing the password crackdown thing. They're going to lose all these subscribers. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what happened. You know, they planned it properly. They did it in a, in a, in a, you know, a PR type, you know, uh, a positive PR type way. And it's led to Netflix with subscriber growth. You know, that's what the company don't share the passwords. We need more subscribers. Boom. It all worked out. Certainly they lost a couple people, but for the most part, my understanding is it was all growth. That's what I think GM is banking on. They're banking on someone that's going to go, okay, I will pay the $20 a month or $30 a month. I have so many subscriptions. I need to make a spreadsheet one day and cancel some of the stuff that we just don't use. Uh, you know, a lot of these companies, just like a gym. A gym, a lot of people sign up. They forget to cancel it, and it's 20 30 bucks, whatever it is in 2023. And that's how they make money. Not a bad thing. It's just how it goes. So, anyways, there's some industry news related to GM. The last thing I will say is I do believe that Ford has picked up on this, and they said, hey, we want our customers to be happy. Uh, we love our user interface. We're going to continue to make that better. But, oh, by the way, you're going to be able, you know, choice is key. Hey, kudos to Ford if that's, you know, what their stance is going to be. The industry news is brought to you by AccuWare. Our family over at AccuWare.com, A-C-C-U-Air, A-C-C-U-A-I-R, AccuWare.com. They've got plug-and-play applications, uh, whether you want to just hit a switch on your or a button on your phone or the keypad, uh, you can basically have auto leveling of your ride. Uh, so much more as well, AccuWare.com. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to Mini Trucker or Mini Truck Cole. So it's great to see Jamie's back. And uh, if you haven't checked out the podcast, check those guys out. They're good people. Now, the show updates, I covered a massive, massive show update two episodes ago. So not the last episode, but the episode before that. And I'm getting kind of the hives thinking about going through all of these shows again because there's a lot, right? And I've kind of talked to you guys a little bit about trying to slow down with the amount of content. So I think you know it's important that we balance everything. So I'm not going to go through 
all of the shows, but I am going to hit just a couple of them. And when I say a couple, just the ones in our scope here. So this weekend, we're going to be at the Spark Show up in Sevierville, Tennessee. The same weekend, this weekend, August 11th, 12th, and 13th, is the Perfect Poise Northwest Cruise to the Pines. There's more information on social media. Just type in uh, Perfect Poise, P-O-I-S-E, N-W, Cruise to the Pines. August 12th is the Nor'easter. So we had Jeff recently on two episodes ago, talked a little bit about that event. Severed of the Southwest is the 20th through the 21st of August. Revolution, Kentucky, we also talked with Steve. That is the 25th through the 26th. And the last show in August, hopefully I'm not forgetting anything, that I want to mention is August 26th. That is sitting pretty, S-I-T-T-I-N, pretty, P-R-E-T-T-I. They are back with the Summer Slam. Craig Braid recently came on. And uh, all of these shows uh, can be found uh, on Facebook, more information, and most of them on Instagram. Now, Sitting Pretty is in the Pacific Northwest, so I know unless you're up that way, you may not make it. Revolution, Kentucky, obviously in Kentucky, Severn in the Midwest, that's in the Midwest. Nor'easter, that's in the Northeast. And uh, the other shows, you know, the Northwest, Cruise of the Pines, Northwest, and of course the Spark Show, Sevierville, Tennessee. So I wanted to mention those shows. I know some people really enjoy the show uh, information, so we thank you for continuing to support and listen all the way through. The show updates are brought to you by, as we said earlier, The Spark Show. This is the 10th annual event. We hope to see you out there. And speaking of that, I posted in the Airhead Nation Facebook group, and I said, hey, who's going to be out there? Robbie Williams said he's going to be there with Trash Bag. Uh, Glenn Brown was going kind of crazy. Uh, Glenn Brown says, I will have my signed exclusive uh, <laughs> Daryl Poe Jr. zebra cakes on sale. Uh, John Barefoot said that he heard Chocolate Thunder was coming. John Smith is going to be there. Justin Wyatt, he's going to be hanging out with the Madhouse Design booth. Now, I also want to mention uh, Justin Wyatt. He also has a show that's going to be coming back, or a new show, rather. And that show is called Fair Enough. It's F-A-I-R-E-N-U-F 2023. And uh, that show is going to be September 30th. Fair, F-A-I-R-E-N-U-F, E-N-U-F. Good people there. And that's going to be in Greenville, not Mississippi, Greenville, Tennessee. So shout out to Justin Wyatt. Uh, Matthew McCutcherson, uh, he's going to be there. Greg uh, B.C. Lanos, uh, he's going to be there as well. I'll have uh, his amigo there, so it's going to be kind of cool to see everybody at the Spark Show. Now, August, I forgot to mention this, August 14th through the 20th is Attitude Check 11. So I mentioned that on the last episode And I wanted to make sure we threw that out there. I do tend to forget some of these shows. It's never intentional, but my apologies there. Next, we've got the podcast updates. This one's quick. If you're on an iPhone, maybe an iPad, maybe you're on your MacBook, Mac device, if you will, go to the pre-installed podcast app. It's that purple icon. Search OLP and scroll down. Tap on the five stars. If you want to go an extra step, you can write a review, even if it's just a plus or a thumbs up, or you want to put your Instagram name or business name. We'll shout you out in the future. We appreciate it. we got to increase our reviews. It helps other people find us. 
The podcast updates is brought to you by Graphics with an X, Mafia. That's G-R-A-P-H-I-X, Mafia.com. Good people, if you need stickers, maybe you need some design work, they will take care of you. Buddy and Ryan, Graphics Mafia. Okay, next we got the Airhead Nation updates. And this one is a quick one, but certainly an important one. Leslie Ann Evans, congratulations on the new baby, along with Shane Evans, Dragon Bottom, B-O-T-T-O-M. Big supporters of OLP. They always come hang out with us, certainly at different shows. But, you know, we knew, I knew, uh, they had shared with us that, hey, you know, they were expecting. And uh, Leslie and Evans has really uh, posted some very, very cool stuff. So much love. We appreciate you. And uh, the baby looks beautiful. So congratulations again. And in closing, I mentioned earlier, I was going to share an OLP update. I just got a text, so I'm going to wind this down. I'm going to call John Yado, I believe is how I'm saying it right. And I know I'm probably going to mess that up. But what I would ask that you do, if you happen to find this podcast, maybe you're new, maybe you haven't spent a lot of time on YouTube, maybe you don't, please do us a favor. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. So like if you're on an iPhone, you can go and tap on, you know, the show notes basically. But please, if you can, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, with us passing the eight-year mark in August of 2023, we started eight years ago in August of 2015, as I talked about with Mike earlier. What I'm going to do is try to move into the next phase of OLP. And it's a lot of thought process that I've been putting into it. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it. The YouTube channel is continuing to grow, which I certainly appreciate. Many of you helped us get to the monetization level. Now, some people hear the M word and they go, oh man, these guys are making tons of money. I think in a month I'll make like maybe $10. And I think you have to get up to a certain amount before the we- a threshold before the we even send you the money electronically or whatever, however they pay it out. But I don't even think I've made any money from YouTube technically that's been deposited in my, to my account. But there's going to be a lot more coming from OLP via YouTube. And the thing that I would tell you is, you know, when I go on social media, and I'm, I'm sure some of you as well, my closing thought is, you know, sometimes it gets discouraging because you'll see pages that haven't been around as long. And they're like six times the amount of followers you may have or we may have. Or, you know, some, some of these pages, they post a lot more negative stuff than, you know, what we do. Uh, and that gets, you know, more engagement. They're getting more followers. You know, people like the drama side of things. And I don't want to elaborate on that. But what I always bring that back to you, bring that back to you is, again, I mentioned Ice-T earlier. For me, it's putting my nose down figuring out and focusing on myself, but also on the product that I produce. You know, hey, OLP is great. It's a podcast. We've got the social media popping. We've got a little bit of YouTube popping, but it's like, hey, how do we ratchet that up? I give this description to people sometimes too, is like when we had Kurt Crucial on from 80s Life, he's got an awesome YouTube channel and he has continued to do great things there. Even Sean from Rad BMX Builds, who we had on not too long ago, he has just an amazing social media following. I mean, his growth has been fantastic, right? But he's producing a lot of great content. 
and now he's ramping up his YouTube, right? So a lot of times you won't see a brand or a podcast or you know, said entity, you won't see that they'll have, you know, social media on lock and then, oh, by the way, their YouTube channel's popping off and then, oh, by the way, they got a podcast and then they're doing tech videos and all, you know, so what, what I've always tried to pride myself on is we may not have the most followers in one channel, but really what's the ultimate game? It's not really to do it for the followers. It's more for me to just kind of follow my passion. What can become discouraging sometimes though is you put all this time and effort in, and if nobody watches and nobody listens and you don't get the views, you kind of go, wow, you have to reassess sometimes. And you have to go, you know, if you were working your normal job that you have right now and they said, hey, we're going to cut your pay by, you know, 50%, you're going to think it's crazy, right? Because you're like, I'm not going to do, you know, 100% of the same work I'm doing, but only get paid 50%, right? Well, I kind of look at it like that sometimes with OLP. It's like if I put in six or eight or 10 hours in a week and there's not really any return or the views aren't going up or people go, hey, I don't like this content. These videos are dumb. You know, this guy's showing 30-year-old videos. Who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm in the now. I wasn't even born in 1992. You got to re- – like me, I, had, I reassess that stuff all the time. I go – yeah, should I just be sharing all the current builds? That's what some people do. And then because they're sh- they're showing the current builds, they're tagging the current owners, so they're getting more traction. So again, I don't look at it like I really don't care. I tell people all the time on my Lincoln Attic page when they have negative comments, I go, look, unfollow me. <laughs> uh, engagement is the big word. I tell people all the time, don't engage with my page. I don't care if it grows. And that really is truly how I feel. But... At the same time, I also want people to enjoy the content. And it is discouraging. I'll bring it back to this last thought is, you know, if I do a video and, you know, you go, I go on the Facebook uh, pages manager, whatever it's called now, and there's 130 views, right? And like, let's say I spent, you know, X amount of time editing that, and then I have to type up the caption, and then I have to post it, and I have to do this. And you get 130 views or 300 views, you kind of go, man, like if I spend 30 minutes to do something and 100 people like it, how many times in a row can I do that before I just go, okay, I'm not really into this anymore, right? So it's that weird conundrum. It's like, yeah, I don't care about followers, (laughs) but at the same time, if I do something, I want people to appreciate it. And I mean that with all respect because many of you uh, send emails and you comment. You go, man, that podcast helps me get through the week or this and that. So that is the true motivation. So it's not like I'm going to stop, but it's how do I reassess and go next level? How do we produce content that maybe more people will appreciate? If you've seen on the YouTube channel, I do stuff about Death Row Records, about the Dr. Dre, the Chronic album, about you know Back to the Future it's a lot of stuff. It's not just one thing. We're not just mini trucks. But reinforcing that to everybody and trying to get people to go, okay, I want to watch this channel. You know, I'm not a mini trucker, so I'm not going to subscribe. It's that it's that game of trying to figure it all out. So as Mike knows, we always joke about this. You know, Mike knows I'm always trying to figure the damn shit out. You know, I'm the guy watching the magic tricks going, oh, I know how he does it, man. He's doing it like this, blah, blah, blah. That's where I get I have the most fun. It's like trying to figure out these algorithms trying to figure out do people appreciate it. Now, if I continue to produce stuff and nobody really gives a shit anymore 
or I stop having fun. Like I told a, a homie last week or a friend of homie, I said, hey, that's when I'm going to peel back and just go, yo, mic drop, I'm out this game. So it'll happen one day. I just don't know when. Thank you guys for listening to me rant. I guess this is the part two ODB live and uncut. I really appreciate all the support. We're going to roll into John's audio now. I'm going to call him. Stay on the rise. If you're at the Spark Show, come by and slap hands. If you're listening to this on the way there, awesome. On the way back, be safe. Either way, we out you. Peace. Yo, yo. And like I said, super excited to sit down with John Yado. Is it is it Yado? Yado? <laughs> Man, we just talked about that. I know, really I messed, messed it up. up. <laughs> it's Yado. It's uh, Spanish. Double L's make a Y sound, Yado. But hey, it's it's all good. Everybody messes it up. It's I've heard Lotto, Lolato, Lado. But yeah, I know it's Yado. Ladies love Yado. Like that, you know, like little LL Cool J spin. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, Man, dude, it was cool meeting you at LST in the past and many Nats, but do you mind just maybe kicking us off, like share a little bit of background about who you are, John? Oh, boy. Okay, sure. You know, I know we talked about this and um, a couple of friends said, hey, you got to go on go on there and tell them about your story and stuff. But, you know, my story starts way back. I mean, uh, you know, originally born in California here and then moved to North Carolina when I was about seven. Um, stayed there till I was 15. Um basically ran away across country to come live with my dad in LA and um, home life wasn't the greatest. So I was like, I got to get out of here. Came out to LA and always into cars and trucks. You know, somebody posted the other day about Hot Wheels. You know, if you had a, like, and Sean Dell posted it on my page the other day, you know, if you had Hot Wheels back in the day, then obviously you have a whole collection of cars down. It's so true, but (laughs) I grew up in South Bay, LA. Um, You know, it was pretty cool spot you know especially in the mini truck days and late 80s and you know kind of how i started was i mean i used to skateboard and well i started bmxing first skateboarding and then um i remember walking home actually walking my friend home from school one day standing on the corner of inglewood avenue and uh i think uh rosecrans and this big old lifted toyota goes rolling by with uh like 30 shocks on it, like, you know, 14 inch lift, 39 Mickeys and had a high country logo on it. And I was like, dude, that's the club. I knew, I knew about high country and high anxiety. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I, my jaw just dropped when this thing went by. Oh yeah. Those were the and, times, weren't they? In the eighties, you would see a lot more lifted minis. Well, especially in South Bay. I mean, you know, I, I wish I would have been more around the guys in San Diego. Cause you know, our club was really cool and big, but high anxiety was, you know, top notch, you know, and a lot of our cars, trucks were really, really clean. Um, like my buddy CJ's, you know, Chrome and all that and lots of shocks, but you know, we still had some just, you know, nice street runners as well, you know, and our club, um, it was based out of the South Bay. So I used to see them running around all the time. And, um, in around that time in Wilmington, there used to be a, uh, a lot that had a bunch of uh, brand new Toyotas. They buy them brand new and it was called tough stuff. And before I got my license, I mean, I'd go over there and just have my, my grandpa drop me off and we would just stare at them. I mean, they all had just like four inch trail masters and a body lift and 35s, but it still was just like, dang, I want one of those. And, uh, 
when I was, before I got my license, my first car was a 68 Camaro. I was walking home and it was, it was a nice car. It had been painted and the interior was nice. And kind of looking back, I kind of think, man, I should have kept that car because that car would be worth some money now. Um, but I sold it because I wanted a lifted Toyota. And uh, so I started searching around for lifted Toyotas and um, went out and looked at a few. And I went out to look at one in um, Lakewood, I think Bellflower, sorry, Bellflower. And um, I go over there and there's a big vert rampart out front and the lady comes out and she's like, Oh, you're here to look at the Toyota. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, your son rides, you know, BMX. And she's like, Oh yeah, it's uh, his name's Eddie Fiola. And you know, no way. Yeah. Dude, my jaw dropped. Cause I mean, you know, I'm just starting to drive and I was skateboarding before that, but I was a big BMX guy, you know, into rad and all that. And I'm all, your son's who? And she, she's like, Eddie Fiola. I'm like, Oh, rad. Literally rad. That is awesome, dude. So I, I didn't buy it that day and I had talked to him and I went back, I went to Riverside to go look at one. I'm like, nah, I want that one from Eddie Fiola. That truck's dope. It had a, you know, Chrome roll cage on it, 35 by 17 wide Mickey's. And, um, when my dad drove up there, you know, he had the whole gang, all the GT guys out there. And my dad had a 88 Maxima and it had a sunroof. And I remember, going by the ramp and just seeing them fly up in the air, dude. And I was just like a kid at a candy store watching them, uh, you know. And uh, to this day, we're still good friends. You know, Eddie's a, a really cool dude. Um, I could call him up and he would be here to help me in a heartbeat. And we, we still hang out and talk down then. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And if you think about, like you said, being in rad, but also you right now the nostalgia is such a big thing and all these people are posting their old magazines and stuff i mean he literally is like a living legend yeah he's a very humble guy though you know he's he's very it's funny um if you he will talk to anybody and he is the coolest dude but even like a couple months ago i said something and i was talking about it and he doesn't really like you to talk about him you know yeah. he loves to he's a showman he likes to show and you know you know do his thing but um you know he really doesn't want to be known as the the king as you know we all know him he's just a really chill dude yeah and that's got to be one of the hard things with you know being famous and stuff like that but you know the the thing i would say is like you know you growing up in that that era and having seen and just kind of live through like even even if you didn't see it all you, knowing like the magazines were always taking photos of the skateboarders there and you know mike dominguez i've heard of people rolling around going to different skate parks and and seeing like mini trucks there you know when the 620s and 720s were popping off like it really when you think back john like it really was an awesome era it was that era was rad i mean we use that word because we like the movie so much and you know i mean like i said i was an avid skater at the time but it was it was cool you know that's when we had all the mini trucks rolling around and you know you had the ones that were rolling around on 15 inch elites and then you had the guys with you know 15 by 10s with you know 195 50 15 stretched on it you know and the funny thing is that when i bought that truck you know i was leaving out of the driveway and you know eddie told me he's like okay whatever you do don't roll it and um that's kind of the joke now because i rolled that truck <laughs> yeah i think you sent me a photo and i was like holy crap yeah, you know, I mean, that truck was my, my pride and joy. I was in high country. I was the young kid. I was literally like 17, 
I'm barely 17. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys in the club were 21 and older. There were a couple of us that were younger. And, you know, um, my first truck run I went with them was to Bonton. And, um, you know, I had to get a permission slip to go up there and, of course, they took real good care. They took real good care of me and saran wrapped me and gave me a little bit of liquor and you know. Um, but the demise of that truck was uh, a little bit of a family argument with my grandpa. And long story short, I won't elaborate on that. And I got pissed off. I just got done washing it because me and the club had gone to Azusa Canyon to go, you know, playing in the mud. Oh, and yeah. you know, I was. I mean, we used to go there all the time, even though all, like all the trucks were clean. I mean, we would go play in the mud and then come home and clean them and go to a, literally go to a show with like 15 of us. And, um, I was washing it, armor, all the tires. I actually have pictures literally moments before and the truck had a locker in it and my grandpa, you know, did something pissed me off and I took off and literally went around the corner and that locker on those wet tires got it sideways and being the inexperienced driver I was I ended up on my lid so that was a that was heartbreaking but you know the funny thing is my grandpa had luckily I had the roll cage but it was still pretty beat up he uh you know ended up pulling the roof out with a high lift jack and slapping a windshield in it and I actually drove it like that for like six months and I still oh. remember Oh yeah, going down and cruising the Esplanade, and you know, with the headlights shooting up in the sky, and I had no idea what to do, and I ended up uh, trading that to a, a good friend of mine, Alan Hayes, um, over at Seven One Four Motorsports. Now, him and I went to high school together. He's a couple years older than me, and he was definitely the kind of one of the guys that got me into hustling and buying and selling and flipping. I mean, you know, he was in high school and buying and selling and flipping. He's like, Hey, I'll trade you for that truck. And he, he traded me for an 84, um, standard cab Toyota that was red okay. and it had 15 by tens on it with the tires all stretched. And I was like, well, I can't fix this one. Cause I didn't have full coverage. And, um, I drove that for a while and, you know, I didn't have a stereo, but, uh, you know, assist I couldn't afford a system, but I threw my house speaker in the front seat and we would go cruising <laughs> right. with the bumping like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Now when you rolled the truck, I remember the photo you sent me, there was like you, you had a buddy or someone with a Datsun. You, you literally put a tow strap on it and just went, you didn't even need a tow truck. No, the sheriff showed up and everything oh, and all the neighbors were there and um, they felt bad, I think. And I had cut my hand pretty good climbing out with the glass and the, the Dotson was one of the neighbors. He had a lifted uh, Dotson and uh, yeah, he just pulled it over for me. Wow. Now there's a legend that goes around Esplanade. The Esplanade. So that's, Esplanade. you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's when odd when I was in high school was a place to go. It was in Redondo beach and it runs Redondo beach Torrance. It, it runs right on the cliffs, uh, kind of by King Harbor and the pier there. And that place, that place at the time and Newport were and Whittier and Hollywood were the jumping places. But I mean, I was still in high school, so that was in my own neighborhood, you know, within 10 minutes. I mean, I kind of I kind of lived in the ghetto at the time. I, mean, I lived all over in high in my younger years in high school. I kind of bounced around like I said, I kind of rough childhood. So, I mean, I lived in actually in Lenox, which if anybody that, that lives here knows that that's a pretty rough neighborhood. And then I lived in Carson, which was not the best neighborhood. And then, um, I finished up in Hawthorne. Um, so Redondo beach was where I grew up when I was younger and the Esplanade was the place to cruise, you know? And, um, 
after that, I got a, uh, I, I must have, well, I got a funny story on that truck before I get back to the Espadon and my next one. Okay. Cruise that, that around, and my aunt and uncle lived out here where I live now in, in, in Lake Elsinore. And at the time, it was about, you know, an hour away from L.A., and it was really, I mean, there was probably 40,000 people out here in the whole area. Temecula, like Brian Gendro was talking about, you know, there was nobody out here. I mean, right. and the funny thing, like, I never really bumped into Gendro or met him or Mike Collins back then. I don't know how, because I was always out here. Um, I didn't meet them till my later years. I mean, I didn't know where Skybody was from or anything. I just saw him at the shows and right. come to find out I was always out here, but you know, you get a low tire pressure with uh, 15 by 10s and 195 50 15s or 205s on there, and you don't know it, and you go around a corner, the dang things pop off the bead. So I'm at my aunt and uncle's, and the tire kept going low, pops off the bead and on the, on the one side, and I ended up wearing out the sidewall on it. I'm like, dude, I wow. need a tire. Yeah. And, you know, there's nobody out here that has one. And... I have it parked on the curb, you know, with the jack stand under it here at my aunt's house in Elsinore. And in the morning, my uncle comes out. And he's like, John, John, get up, get up. I'm all, what, what, what? He's all, somebody tried to steal your truck. I'm all, what? I go running out there, and it's running, and the drum is just spinning. And Holy I was crap. like, it was the luckiest thing for me, because if it had a tire on it, they would have got it. But um, they didn't, you know, they couldn't, it, it wouldn't go with one tire missing. Dude, that's so insane. Yeah, I turned 18 and I sold that and I had gotten some money from an accident when I was 13. I had a motorhome fall on me and insurance wouldn't give me the money until I was 18. And so that's when I bought my first forerunner and um, it was already lifted on, you know, 38 inch mutters. And, you know, I had that for a couple of years and that's what I was really in high country with. I, uh, you know, was in the club for a couple of years with that before I got my second forerunner. That forerunner actually going get ready to go to Valley Run. We were sitting actually towards the end of my 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 uh, me being in high country. I actually was meeting up with the guys from Synergy where my club met high country because my club was kind of falling apart at the time, and okay. we were in the parking lot, and I was starting to date my wife, and all of a sudden the heater shorted out and the thing catches on fire i'm sh running into the pizza place to get a fire extinguisher putting the fire out and so that one had electrical problems there again i ended up trading it to alan hayes okay. plus i actually traded him for a for the s10 i don't know i think i sent you a picture of that it was a turquoise long bed 82 s10 on porsche alloys yes i traded him for that and a gsxr uh, 750 Okay. And um, I drove that, you know, that S10 for a while on the bike. And then I wanted another forerunner. So I found a bone stock forerunner. And, you know, I had had my fair share of tickets. I mean, when I was in high school, you know, I, I mean, we would cruise everywhere and I was getting tickets. My grandma was just getting pissed. She's like, you keep getting these tickets. And, and a lot of them were too point, high tickets, though, right? Just so everyone knows. They were always, yeah, they were always too high. I didn't have a really big stereo at the time. I got one too loud stereo ticket a couple years later in Newport, but it was always too high. And that's like going back to the Esplanade. Um, I had that forerunner and it was the frame height could be 30 inches. And I was like at 31. And 
So sometimes I would take like my floor jack and throw it in the back of it to try to make it sag so I wouldn't get popped. Uh-huh. Um, we were cruising the Esplanade and all of a sudden that's when all the big stereos were getting popped and Redondo, Redondo Beach PD came down in like 15 deep on motor cops and they were actually taking people's stereos out. If you were bu- bumping, they were actually confiscating it as, as uh, evidence. And, um, so we were sitting on the Esplanade and we were like, dude, let's get the hell out of here. And I went to jet out one of the avenues and I'm like, let's just go to Newport. I didn't make it a block and the cop pulls me over. And I don't know if I sent you that picture, but there's a picture of the, me in the newspaper and they took pictures of us. Yeah. So that's us getting a ticket. And, and, um, we made the newspaper that night, but I got a too high ticket for that one. May 1990, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We were in high school still then. I think, um. It wasn't that week because we went to Newport, but we went up to Hollywood once and, you know, being young and dumb, we're cruising Hollywood Boulevard and it's wintertime. Here's another good story. I'm cruising Hollywood and it's rain. It had rain. There's big puddles. And I can't remember the guy's name or his club, but he's one of the older. He was an older guy. And he had a dope square body dually. It was white with um, rocker panel graphics on it. Okay. I, think, I think his name was John also. It had hydros on it. And um, we had gone back and forth and done this like 10 times. And he was sitting at the light across the street from me. And I, there was a puddle of water sitting there, right? We're right in front of all the stars. And we hit this thing like 10 times. And we're just drenching people. You know, we're just being a bunch of punk-ass kids. I mean, looking back, it's like, what a dick. <laughs> but we hit it. And I mean, it's a tidal wave going up on top of the freaking roofs. And all of a sudden, we hear, pull over and john is up in the crease ah you're going to jail you're going to jail we pull over up around the corner and the cop one cops comes to my lapd comes up to one my side another one to the other he's like get out of the car you're get out of the truck and he's all come with me and he starts walking me to his patrol car i'm like oh shit i'm going to jail i'm i'm screwed he's like you know what he's all you can't be doing that shit he's i don't know what you're thinking he's all but you know what that was the funniest shit i've ever seen in my life And I'm like, my jaw drops and, you know, we're we're like, I'm like, holy crap. And he's talking to me. And about that time, this um, guy comes walking up and he's in like a leather jacket, like full on, like, you know, 1990s leather jacket. And he's like, dude, that guy got me soaked. I want him arrested. And the cop's like, just okay, I got a handled leave. And he kept talking, talking. He's like, finally, the cop's like, if you don't, if you don't leave, I'm going to arrest you. And he he tells me, he's like, you know what? It's time for you to go home. You're going to get your ass kicked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was different back then, right? Because you, you could, maybe that would happen. I, I would have a hard time believing like that could happen nowadays because, you know, different climate, you know? Oh, for sure, for sure. Now, let me ask you this. when you This is legend, though. When you had sent me the image and it was like 56 tickets, give or take, in a year, cruising Newport, you know, Hollywood, the old Carl's Jr. Uh, spot in OC, when... Like back when you were younger, like that, were you ever just like, damn, my insurance is going to be expensive? Like you just, you just didn't really give a rats. You know, it was more of a nuisance than anything. I mean, obviously, um, I didn't have a lot of money, and my grandma was just pissed. Most of all of them were fix it tickets. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I literally had fix it tickets. They were just. I'm gonna, they were just dicks back then, especially if you're cruising. I mean, going back to that forerunner, like I said, I got nailed for being too high because we had started cruising Hawthorne Boulevard, and 
in my own town and the freaking cop impounded my car from my school parking lot because he said I didn't lower the truck and I had actually <laughs> taken the yeah and I he didn't measure it and I he was just he wouldn't listen to me I had taken the rear shackles off and squatted it and it was just barely legal and he's like nope I'm taking my books and I'm throwing them across the parking lot I'm like this guy's a dick so we were cruising then, and I ended up putting my buddies 190 or 205 50 15s or whatever on the 15 by 10s on it. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I got it out of impound that same day, put those, and I'm like, screw this guy. I'm going cruising because he's like, I better not see. So I'm going to take it if I see it again. So we're cruising. He pulls me over again. Wow. And profiling. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell now? He writes me for too low. Dude, because the code the code says no. At the time, you know, people would use you know block lowering blocks and U bolts to, to lower their stuff. Well, the way they were getting for people for being too low was if the U bolts hung below the wheel. And so, since I had thirty nines down to little low profiles, my mud flaps were dragging the ground. Yeah, you sent me so that one photo, and it looks wicked, man. <laughs> like I was like, man, what is this? Yeah, it had five seventy one gears on it, dude. I mean, I'm in the fifth. I'm in fifth gear on the freeway doing like forty because it's just screaming. And there was an LA County sheriff, and he just shakes his head and he goes, <laughs> "That guy's an ass." He's all, "That's messed up." <laughs> So it was all for too high, you know, mud flaps, no light covers. I mean, blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of why when I got my second forerunner, I'm like, I got to do something, you know, and this is like 90, 91, you know, and, you know, that's what's funny is, you know, like, I think Brian, you know, they say, I think Gendro was the first one supposedly with airbags, right? <laughs> You're like, well, hold on. Let me get some photos here. <laughs> I don't know the exact timeline and I'm not going to say I was a first cause I actually got the idea from somebody else, Yeah, you know, but we were, but we were on the lifted scene. And I mean, I literally had 52 tickets, 52, 56 in one year. So I knew Dave winter over at fab tech. And I mean, um, he had done some work for Robbie Gonzalez who had the red, uh, rock in it lifted Toyota where it was red. Would it look like a uh, granite rock on it? Yes. Clean. And he still has that truck, by the way. It's sitting in his driveway. Wow. So I actually talked to him, too. And he had had Dave do some work on it. And so I went and talked to Dave. And um, at the time, there was a place called All Pro Off-Road. And I guess it was like right when I met my wife because I bought her a salvaged a theft recovery Toyota from a friend who had, had been stripped. That was the teal green, Corvette green one. Yep. And, and I bought the triple-double roll bar off of uh, a guy up at All Pro All Tire in Montclair. And he had a um, Nissan Hardbody Extra Cab on 44-inch Fun Country or Dixie Pick mud mutters. And he had an airbag set up on it with uh, cord elliptical ear, air, um, airbag, or leaf springs and airbags. Okay. And I'm like, dude, that's what I got to do. And so I talked to Dave at Fabtech, and he's like, yeah, I know that. I can do that. So we did quarter elliptical leaf springs on it and airbags. And after that, I was golden, dude. I mean, I literally didn't get a too high ticket. I ended up getting one hydraulically altered suspension once. And, you know, we, me and my buddy, this was when I was in Synergy. And we were going down the 60 freeway. And he had an 89 extra cab on 42s. And I was driving his truck. He's driving mine. We're going down the freeway, and the CHP rolls, does a U-turn in the middle of the road, 
comes after me in his truck, says, follow me. He goes after him in my truck. And I told him, I said, hey, if you get pulled over, you just got to let like, you know, 10 pounds of pressure out. And I'm watching him get pulled over and he's just. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, don't make it so obvious. You know, you only got to go down a couple inches and do that thing was tucking 39 Mickey's. And anyway, he, he got he got a hit ticket, but I didn't. Good. So yeah. it worked. Yeah, that is insane. And the thing that was crazy is like some of the photos, like you said, like airbags, like in that era. But one of the things that was interesting to me too was there was there's the famous photo that floats around a Pat Nichols ballistic, right? But there's also yes. a truck, a lifted truck next to it, and that was yours or your girlfriend's, I think, right? That was my forerunner on the airbags. Um, yeah. Okay. Some of the guys, one of the guys on one of the community or one of the pages, mini truck pages, actually posted some pictures of my forerunner um, up at Bonton, and that was at Bonton when Pat had just got that done, and I had been taking pictures of my. Uh, Toyota next to Big Dummy because I'm really good friends with uh, Frank Scatini at with Big Dummy the monster truck. You know, it's time he had that monster truck that the body lifted up and it had I don't know twenty twelves in it. Yeah, and so I, yeah, him and me and Pat were taking pictures next to that, and uh, I think that's right when Pat had got that done. And um, you know, I had painted that truck. I, there was a guy. You know, at that time there was the cool thing was granite granite graphics and neon tubes and i, I kind of did it later on as the, that that trend was fading but i always wanted it i mean i drew pictures in high school and that's what i wanted and um it was a cool paint job but honestly to me now it's kind of gaudy but i mean everybody dug it i mean literally it had you know the neon tube and granite on the bottom with craters and bullet holes and you go well, wait a minute how do you get bullet holes in granite but hey it looks cool <laughs> right yeah and and that to me is the cool thing because you we don't we don't have a lot of photos now of like the era when i mean there's some right that go around but like the mini truck next to the lifted truck and mm -hmm. that was such like a west coast thing i think that vibe and that's why like on one of our first shirts we did you know, that vibe because I, you know, we'd see the trucks backing in when they started bodying them and things like that. But with you cruising around in those lifted trucks, did you like bump in and, and meet like, like a Sean Dell or even a, a Craig Elder back in the day? Well, I don't mean to date myself, but this is before Sean Dell and Craig Elder were yep. Yep. even thinking of driving. I mean, you know, Sean, Sean and I are good friends and I mean, he got into it really young, but Sean and uh, Craig are both about 10 years younger to me. So yeah, younger like, than me. So. They were like 95 to 98 ish. Something yeah. Like that. So I met them later and I mean, you know, Craig Elder actually, um, I met him cause he wanted my standard cab yellow Z 71 and I ended up trading and that's how I met him. I met him at a show. So that came, that came in later on after, you know, I was in Synergy and I think I was, I was in Synergy when I met Craig. Okay. And so I got, you know, after I got into, I met, I don't even know, how did I get into Synergy? I don't even remember how, who I, who brought me around. I couldn't tell you who was Tom McQueenie. I, don't, I, I think I met Tom McQueenie in Synergy. Yeah, oh, I know who it is. Oh, okay. No, no, I remember you. It, nobody will probably remember his name. His name was Bob Byer. Bob Byer and... I remember that uh, name from somewhere. I don't know if it was a fight feature or something, it seems like. Yeah, he was the president at the time, and he had a... I was showing with him when I had when I was in high country. He had an extra cab, 
and it was like um, blues with silver and uh, super swampers. And uh, he worked at Rancho Suspension, so I was always talking to him and trying to get more shocks for my truck. And uh, he told me about Synergy, so that's how I got in there. And, um, you know, I still talk to a couple people from High Country, but, you know, the Synergy families, we're, we all still keep in contact. Um, you know, me and Tom are in relaxed still to this day, so, we, you know, we're pretty tight. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of people, they don't really take notes on this stuff. And what I try to do is I, I try to, like, you know, take a note on different things, but I know McQueenie, he had some pretty cool stuff over the course of time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Tom did some cool things. You know, we have some, I mean, epic river run stories. The uh, Synergy days of going to the river runs, but that was like a ritual, you know, going to uh, uh, resolutions and all the river runs, spring splash, endless summer, um, the one in Paris. I mean, those were the days, and he was working at Boyd at the time, and he built that standard cab uh, yellow Toyota. Yep. Yeah, and then you know, since then he he did a couple, you know, several other trucks. His uh, he had a full size when I had mine, which was pretty clean. It was re actually really nice. It was at SEMA as well. And then um, you know, he did the S10. He, he's done he's done quite a bit. Yeah, he's done some cool stuff. I mean, he kind of you know got into this, especially with the culture part of it. You know, with his pinstriping later on after we were in the clubs. You know that that came later on. Oh yeah. Now, before we talk more about cars and trucks, of course, I wanted to ask, like, when you think of the culture and the skateboarding and you kind of hinted the BMX and stuff, we look back at a lot of the photos, you know, the different skate parks that were out there. There's the one where they filmed some of the rad, right? It was the, the famous, um, I'm drawing a blank on it, but it was the, yeah, the pipeline, uh, yeah. you know, where Eddie is, you know, doing stuff. And I mean, there's uh, even Radical Rick, we recently had. Uh, the guy that created Damien Fulton on, and he recently did some artwork that's very reminiscent. It looks exactly like that. But when you think back to that era, you know, do you do you remember pulling up to the skate shops and, and just living in the moment then? Did you bump into any skaters back in the day? You know, when I was skating in, you know, my early high school years, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would, I never made it to Pipeline or anything. I had no way to get there. I mean, you know, we far. were in South Bay. Yeah, that was... 30 miles away and um i mean but we would skate everywhere i mean i would skate from you know when i lived in lennox there hawthorne area we would skate all the way to lax and then hop on the um parking lot on the south parking lot shuttle take it to the airport and then hop on the other shuttle to go over to westchester and then from westchester we would skate 10 miles and go to venice you know so we would skate all over the place i mean i literally would come home at beat you know uh like I said, kind of, my, I couldn't call my dad. My dad wouldn't come get me. So yeah. it was like, I was on my own, you know? And if I wanted to get home, I, I mean, I come skating home at 10 o'clock at night. So yeah, we would skate to Venice and see, you know, some of the pro skaters there. And, um, but I never actually made it to pipeline or really any skate parks. You know, we were straight up street skaters, you know? I mean, we, they were building a freeway by us and we would find, you know, piping and use that that to skate on and i ended up building a quarter pipe in my driveway but i wasn't i couldn't get to any of that thing yeah. any of those places so ours was all anywhere we could skate but i mean still it was 10 15 miles at least to venice and we would skate there oh yeah yeah it was just an epic era and i always bring this up you know when i was younger in the 80s in espn they had this thing called like hot summer nights and it was like skate it was street skating 
and it was BMX, and it was even mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they they would have did like surfing, they did like the wind sailing and all that. And I used to just watch it, and it had this vibe of like, you know, obviously as an '80s kid, you know, born in the late '70s, I would look at that and just go, "Man, that's California." Now, obviously, before that, you know, Beach Boys, and you know, you had all kinds. Of, you know, every every generation has their vision of what oh California is, but certainly now when we look back at the BMX stuff and the skateboarding. And the mini trucks and all that stuff. I mean, really, it's it's heavily you know influenced on, of course, the West Coast. It was big then, you know. I mean, BMXing, skateboarding were that was talk about a culture. I mean, that was a huge culture, and you know, at that time when I was transitioning into driving and stuff, mini trucking was huge then. I mean, you'd see clubs rolling, you know, ten, twenty, thirty deep down the road. And when I started going to truck clubs, I mean, we would literally just see big caravans go into the clubs you know i mean i uh i met big ham um from uh oh god what was the name of their van club now he used to put on bonton and i can't remember of the freaking yeah van it, club was, now. it wasn't sunset of course because that was bob hayes no it guys. was a van club and big ham was a cool dude i mean he, yeah, he I, lived in and Hawthorne. i remember hearing that name i've seen it in magazines and stuff and i can't believe i can't remember his name but they put on bonton and so that was kind of the transition. He was a vanner. He was older, and we were kind of the newer kids at the time. You know, you know. I'll say I'm kind of from the OG mini truck stage, but it was kind of that transition from the van culture to the mini truck culture, and um, it was huge in California. I mean, was you know, you go cruise that one. Former van club? No, maybe not. I was trying to find it here. No, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. It's on the if you. I mean, I it's like on the tip of my tongue, dude. But I I can't remember the name of his van club. You know, and there were the other guys like they. I don't know. You probably heard of him, uh, Cherokee. You know, he was a indian guy and had an indian van and then you know one of the other guys was tiny and i think tiny was in sunset with bob hayes yeah i think yep, yep. yeah you know and, and bob hayes is kind of like the og van guy that you know because he started back in that era and went to the mini trucks mm-hmm. yeah so because- it, was, it was huge man yeah, and the West Coast influence, you know, when they talked a lot about it, a lot of us, you know, that's the variation that we heard that mini trucks, you know, came out of the, the, the gas, you know, crunch of the 70s and you had the Vanners. But I watched on Amazon Prime, it's probably still out there. It, it was kind of a little tough to watch, but it was like it was like a van documentary. And you have, you know, you, you can imagine all of us, the age that we're at, well, you know, these guys are... They're late sixties, they're seventies. I mean, these were like old school vanners and like these guys are still going to runs like all over the country, you know, and they still do this stuff. But when you really when you you look at the styles are a little different, right? Our haircuts are different, our clothes, especially now. But if you really, like you said, break down the the van, the vanners, like we were an extension of what those guys were doing, partying, just doing the damn thing. Yeah, they're the original guys of truck runs, you know. The van guys started the truck runs and you know, uh, my first truck run, I was, I don't even know if I was really driving. I think it was like 87 and that was, um, like, I think I said, Rezo. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were still a lot of vanners going then and showing, I mean, and, you know, like Eric, he, 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 he showed for a long time. And I mean, that guy died, a, you know, several years ago, but you know, he literally showed that van for probably 20 years. Yeah, those Vanner guys are hardcore, man. And it's it's awesome to kind of see them come back. My dad was in the vans 
And when you see now that they're kind of coming back, they're kind of getting harder to find because a lot of them rusted out, depending on, of course, where you lived. But like now with uh, Switch Suspension and Square Body Syndicate, you know, they have their vans, you know, the 80s vans. And people are like, man, these yes. are cool. And they're like, man, this that was a thing that was cool way before now, of course, you know. Yeah, there was one guy at Mini Truck Nats, and he had a, like, 70, 80s van, and it was a shorty, and it was laid out on the ground. It was dope. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was probably switch suspension, if it was that yes. one. Yeah, that one yeah. was... Yeah, we put. I did a video and I put to some some Sir Mix a lot on a reel, and I think it's the biggest reel I've ever posted. It was a cool little video how I did it. I put some thought into it, and and it just we rarely have stuff that'll kind of go viral, so to speak. But I mean, last I had checked, like it it was like seven hundred thousand views on Facebook. But but again, it, it was because of the coolness of the van. You know, they were cruising. It was low. You know, it's got the whole back is decked out. I mean, it was it was awesome. Well, at um this year at um the Roadster show, you know, we all showed there because yes. it was and uh, there was a bunch of old school vans there. I took some video, and I mean, there was like twenty vans, and I mean, it was just rad to take to see how detailed and different. You know, that's the problem like these days. You know, I mean, <laughs> Sean hates it. Sean and my buddy Carlos, they can't stand you know this. Lifted truck craze because like me and Craig, you know, I mean, I, I, Craig, I, I started building trucks, you know, before Craig and we, I had big lifted trucks and then Craig started building these crazy trucks. But when we built our excursions, you know, it was like, whole, I mean, me, him and uh, Sean Gibson, you know, we had these big ass excursions and it was like, dude, we were like rare. But now it's like you go to SEMA show, and I mean, I still appreciate them, and I really do like the detail. The detail on some of these four buys is insane, but it's turned into who has the most money and on 28s, and it's kind of like everything looks the same, you know? And back in the van days, that was what was cool. They were all custom, but they were all completely different, completely different. And, you know, even like when me and Craig and all of us started doing our you know, big lifted trucks, we were still different. Now it's like they're all pretty much the same. I mean, they could have a striker suspension or a, I don't know, the other companies, but they're all basically copycats. I mean, they're badass. There's a lot of engineering and, you know, flame cutting and bending and stuff, and it's rad, but it's just like when there's 40 of them, it kind of gets old. Yeah, well, and that's that's the challenge. It's like I'm into Lincolns, you know, as you know, and it's like lately, especially on social media, I mean, it's a good and bad thing. Like, it's great to see them all together, but like if you see them all together every single weekend, you kind of become, at least me mentally, like – like I become a little immune to it versus like back yeah. in the day when Craig Elder had the lifted GMC Suburban that was yellow. It's like he pulls up at a show. I mean, yeah, there were probably a few lifted things, but that thing was totally lifted. It's a Suburban, right? Not everybody had one of those. And then you back up a mini underneath it, you know, Shondells or someone's and you just go, wow, you know, but uh, like you said, even yeah. before that, it was sick stuff. I was the oddball, you know, I mean, I always, besides that standard cab and then, you know, later when I had my, my, uh, OBS, I was always the oddball. I was always the guy with the four by, I mean, I was like really one of the rare few out there. There was a few guys, you know, Skybody and CJ with his and high country. And there was that S 10 that was on 44s. Yep, yep. But when we showed up at shows with a lifted four by, I was like, Whoa, we were like, you know, one out of every hundred. And, um, 
you know, later on when I built my standard cab, when that was a whole nother story, how I got the standard cab. Cause before that I got useless and I ended up trading, man, that was, I have to think back on this all now. So my airbag Toyota that was lifted, a kid had to have it. He saw me at a show. He wanted it. And he had a, at the time in 1990 Z71 standard cab Chevy with like a 10 inch lift on 38 swampers. And he's like, dude, I want your Toyota. He's like, will you trade me? I'm all just kid for real. He wants to trade me a freaking brand new freaking Z71. Hell yeah, I'll trade you. So, I mean, I traded him for that and that's what turned into my yellow standard cab that was lifted like, you know, 14 inch lift. It was yellow, you know, powder coated, chromed everything that Craig had. I ended up trading Craig that after I had it for about four or five years, um, Craig at the time was literally probably like 17 and Damn. I think it was his sec. I think it was like his second truck. Cause I didn't know him before, but he had an S 10 and he tore it apart, never really finished it from what I understood, but he saw me at a show and he's like, dude, I want this truck. And he's like, I got this 93 extra cab that Pacific, uh, sunroofs built. And it was, you know, two tone with, a. It was purple. We called it purple on the top, white on the bottom, and it had like a pink, like a kind of a bubble stripe on it and 17 inch voids. It was in several magazines, including like AutoSan and Security. Yeah, I think I know the truck. As you were describing it, I'm like, I know what truck that is. Yeah, it had a full on custom Alpine system in it. And I had had my standard cab for probably five years, you know, taking it to SEMA two times, had it in a couple magazines, and uh, he, he wanted to trade me a moment. And my truck had like 80, 90,000 miles. That thing had 20. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll trade you. So I traded him for that. And um, that's what we became, you know, friends. And he showed my my standard cab for several years. And then, of course, you know, the story with Craig is he always, it's never good enough. So he tore it apart. He was down at Shondell's shop. They were going to do all this stuff. And, I mean, I've heard the stories and I have pictures of, the truck was done. I mean, it was done, done, but he wanted to, that was in his beginning years when he had to go always overboard. And there's a picture of him standing in the engine bay. And at the time, uh, Cope, cause me and Cope were friends from way back then. And he had his extra cab the and we would one, show the red one. Yeah. The red one. And we would show our Chevys together and he always loved my truck too. Well, he ended up trading Craig bone crusher, for my yellow standard cab and my standard cab was in a million pieces and i'm all i mean i i liked the extra cab lowered because it was nice but i'm a four by guy i'm like dude why didn't you tell me i would have traded you that truck a long time ago because i wanted an extra cab on that i mean it's kind of like going back to the day when, when i got useless the same thing the kid i got that from he always had to have the best and i'm like dude just put that money into your truck it'll smoke that and you know, I was like, Cope, just straight axle your shit. Your yours will be way better. But anyway, that's that's water under the bridge and Craig got bone crusher and you know, um, like I said, I ended up how I got useless was John DeVito had useless and that was kinda in my high school, in high school, right when I graduated and you know, useless dominated everything. I mean, it would win best to show any at every single show. And, um, it, it literally, 
it, the mod, it had has so many body mods. I mean, you know, tilt bed, shaved back cab, shaved um, back of the the bed. Um, you know, the lower part of the bed was molded in. The extra cab windows were Frenched in with antennas, and you know, the gullwing doors were epic. I mean, it, the gullwing doors on it, nobody's ever really done anything like that. I mean, and. I don't know. I can't say for sure the, the history on it, but I know that it had some George Barris influence on it or George Barris was involved with, with the doors or working on it. Um, and uh, gosh, now I'm blanking on his name. Who I, oh man, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he kind of, this other guy also helped finish it. Somebody originally started building it and I'm totally blinking on his name now, um, but he ended up finishing the truck, uh, you know, but the hood went up, the wheel wells were literally leather, not white leather, but like real leather, um, you know, and the transmission tunnel had a window, the transmission was powder coated, I mean, it was just over the top, I mean, and um, this kid that was, when I was in high country, had an 89 extra cab, and he started hanging out with us, rich kid. He started with a four-inch Trailmaster body lift, 35s, and then put it on 39s, and then, you know, he lifted it higher, and then he wanted my Mickey, so he traded me two sets of Super Swampers, 35s and 39s. I'm like, heck, I'll do that. I mean, even though I'm a Mickey's guy, because that was kind of when I was, I had worked at Four Parts when I was younger, and that was before I got sponsored by Mickey Thompson Tires, And but I'm like, heck, I'll trade you eight tires for four. Mm -hmm. And um, he actually painted at his truck, the guy that painted his truck painted my forerunner before I did, and it had cool graphics, and he's like, dude, I gotta have this useless truck. I gotta have it. And I'm like, dude, just Build yours. Yours is an 89. It's better. So he ends up trading for useless plus like 10 grand. And he has useless for like a year. He makes all the posters. I still have a stack of posters to this day. Really? And, um, oh yeah, I have like probably a hundred. And, you know, we told him, like, put a chicken. He's like, no, this, this truck's way better than that. It doesn't need a chicken. I'm like, all right, whatever. Well, after a year, he got into street bikes and something else. And it just sat there and, my buddy Alan from you know from someone sport uh, one motorsports said, "Hey, Rich wants to sell the Toyota. You want to go in and have?" I'm like, "Am I what Toyota?" He's all useless. I'm all, "What's he want for it?" And he's all ten grand. I'm all, "Hell yeah, let's buy it!" So I put five grand down, and Alan put five grand down, and that's how we got useless. And going back, actually, I kind of messed up. I actually traded useless for my standard cab okay um not not my airbag and um alan at the time knew i really wanted a now obs at the time a brand new truck and so i paid him six grand he made a grand and i ended up with a z71 um but we had useless for a, a year or two and you know we put our, my mickeys on that thing and with the mickeys it looked better i never did like the dixie pecs on it um some funny stories with useless though we'd cruise around with the doors rolled up and you know it was kind of like a joint venture between the two of us and he was supposed to tow it to spring splash and the next thing i know i'm getting rumors he's going up a day before me because i had to work and i heard it's going down the 10 freeway in the middle of the desert with the doors up and i'm like that mfer he's driving that damn truck so but that's what we did i mean full chrome undercarriages everything we drove them but I didn't particularly want that one to be driven that time. Yeah, I know. And it is an epic truck. And, you know, it, it's funny because this happens in sports, too, because as time goes on, 
there's younger people in the scene and they don't know the history, right? So like the other day, there's a guy that has this newer style mini truck page, sick mini trucks, shout out to Nathan. He makes a post, what is the most iconic mini truck of all time, right? So again, he's asking for an opinion, which is fine, right? Yeah, Anybody, yeah. But it, it, it would be like if you posted in like a group and you said, hey, who's the best basketball player of all time? And everybody names like current players. You'd go, well, I'm not going to listen to people that maybe aren't historians, right? Maybe people that wrote about and studied and knows all, you know, knows the whole history of the game. And that's the funny thing about mini trucking that I try to preach to people, especially when I do my YouTube videos, is that, you know, you might have just got into mini trucking in 2002 and you think you know the history, but I mean, there's trucks going back to the '70s that would smoke, yeah. you know, stuff that's 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 current today. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but like you know, when you think of useless and and some of the the epic builds that came before, like Phil Rush was another guy I'm going to have on soon. You know, a super he, he had a cover truck of Toyota in the '90s that went to Japan. You know, and and you you look at some of these trucks, and I, I want people to remember, hey man, the, these things were were smoking, you know. So. Yeah, you know, back in the Truck Jam days, Al Martinez days, you know, Truck Jam was the show. You know, um, it was kind of, and that's why I liked, I got so into LST and, um, you know, uh, Mini Truck Nats, is it kind of reminded me of those days. I mean, they were just epic. They were huge. Yep. And, you know, I ended up later on after I had my extra cab, my, my, my lowered OBS, I ended up working at... Um, getting a job at Massey Cadillac Chevrolet in yes, Downey. We would always see the ads in trucking, of course. Yep. Yeah. And I actually was doing, I had just gotten a paintless debt repair at the time. And I was like, how oh, was I like 23? And, um, the, the guy that trained me was my buddy, my buddy with the extra cab Toyota from Synergy, him, his boss trained me and he kind of just sent me out here to Temecula because I was dating my wife at the time. I wanted to come out here. He gave me a truck, but really didn't give me any guidance or anything. So I failed. So I moved back home and my buddy Chuck with that big lifted Toyota from Synergy, he says, Hey, this dealer wants to hire an in-house dent guy. Do you want a job? I'm like, yeah, I'm not working dude. Hell yeah, I'll go. So I got hired and that was right at the same time when a whole new crew came in and, um, Al Martinez Jr. was the body shop manager. He was actually my boss. Oh, really? And so, big ass, yeah. And so, it was like right when Massey started getting big, and that's a that's a whole other story. But right, right. The Al Martinez's Jr.'s boss was kind of an asshole. He was this like uh, service manager, or not the manager, director. And, um, you know, he really was, he did a really good job. I mean, he promoted the heck out of Massey, you know, Chevrolet and with Truck Jam and all the, you know, I say OBSs now, but at the sure. time they were new, you know, they were, they were preloading everything with, you know, 17 inch boids and having the, there was a guy that used to do graphics on them by hand with the brush and, you know, they would preload them. And that's when I was building my extra cab. And, uh, you know, before that, I knew Pierre at Auto Indulgence when Neon was big and we became good friends. We used to hang out and he used to do a lot at the shows. And, you know, he always told me, he's like, you know, yellow and blue are the, the colors that, that, you know, pop. And his building was yellow and blue. You know, he came like later with really big with Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And so... And all the guys were like, you can't have a black truck. And so I'm like, I'm going to paint this truck yellow, you know. And um, that was after I traded Craig and I wanted to make it my own. And Cal Concepts at the time was like, you know, 
who I knew at the time and was the paint job to have. You know, I didn't know Pete Finland then or any of those guys. And um, he just posted a picture of yes. Total Chaos, I believe it is today. And he did. Yep. honestly, that paint job I loved. And not to knock the work that the design on my truck that Cal Concepts did, because it was really epic work. I mean, I'm going to say the quality at the time wasn't the greatest, but as far as the design, it was epic. Yeah. And um, well, I was and that truck was such. I mean, just real quick too to throw the antidote in the that truck definitely. And people even said it on the post. And I've it's one reason why we picked it for one of our artworks. Twenty five years to the to the month is because it, it was it was a game changer. You know, we talked to Gendro a little bit about it, but yeah, what an epic truck that was. Yeah, the paint job on that was just clean. It was really clean. Mine, I mean, like I said, mine was. They were both crazy paint jobs, but mine was a little bit more crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, um, you know, my the, the director at the time saw what I was building, and I was really... I had built my Chevy, my, my standard cab, and been in several magazines, started getting a lot of sponsors, and was really figuring out the sponsor thing. So I was hitting up everybody at the time, and I was friends with... Uh, you know, Michael, Michael at Sir Michael's and, you know, they were giving me stuff and my boss kind of thought I was stealing his thunder because I was getting so much exposure and he was kind of actually told me I couldn't go to the SEMA show and I had plans to go on the SEMA show and I'm like, well, I'm going to the SEMA show and I ended up leaving on a medical exemption to make SEMA show that time. Wow. That's, that's freaking insane. Yeah. And, and I want people to know real quick too, if I, um, if I can throw this in there, that we're talking about, I remember seeing your name 25 years ago. It was trucking March 98. And what was cool is when we met at LST like a year ago or so, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm John. I had this truck. And then boom, I was like, I know that truck because I had just recently looked at that issue. And it was like insane how all these years later I can meet you. And I'm like, man, I know that truck. And it had, I mean, talk to us about like, because you mentioned earlier when you acquired the truck. But how did you get on the path of going, okay, well, we're going to take this to a level that it's going to be on the cover of trucking? You know, I had, like I said, I had a lot. Of, I got, I painted my standard cab lifted Chevy yellow and I was getting hit up left and right for magazines and, you know, off-road four-wheeler, you know, it was in every magazine. It was like, holy crap, this yellow freaking is popping, man, you know, and that's what kind of put me, you know, on the map and, with all that exposure, I got so many more sponsors. And so that truck was clean at the time and I wanted to make it my own. And, you know, OBSs at the time were really becoming popular. I was in Synergy and, you know, it was kind of really my first full blown lowered show truck. And, um, Cal concept was just, like I said, you, you that was the paint job to have. And I wanted to take it to SEMA and start getting more sponsors. So I did a lot. I got a lot of, um, I sent out proposals, you know, I mean, I had sponsors from, uh, Michelin tires, you know, B&M gave me a supercharger. I had a roll cage in that, you know, cause I had prior connections at Smitty built. I crawled that cage. So it was kind of different that it was a lower truck, but it still had a cage, but I was kind of going for that performance aspect, uh, you know, supercharged with a roll cage. And, you know, at the time it was a fast truck. Now it's not. Um, and that's kind of when we did that shootout in Pomona and with, um, oh, Kevin Craig from Line X and, you know, uh, all those guys, we went out and did that. And that's kind of what I was going for. I started getting all these sponsors. So that's why I'm like, Hey, you know what? I think at the time, I mean, I think it was something ridiculous, like $4,500 is all I paid for that paint job. Wow. And, um, I mean, I a mean, lot of money back had, then, but still. 
Yes, but I was like, you know what? If I drop forty five hundred on this paint, I'm gonna get fifteen, twenty grand in sponsorships yes. and, and it worked. You know, I mean that Paid truck off. went to SEMA. It ended up going to SEMA three times. First time I had the seventeen inch voids on it that I got from um that were no, the voids were on it. I had got different voids from Tom and another guy in the club. His um his uncle was Boyd, his his mom was Boyd's sister. And so we had wow. a pretty deep connection at Boyd. So I got those 17s on there. And then 20s had just started coming. I want to say, I think it was 97. I think the first set of like billet 20s, maybe 96, 97. And I really wasn't friends with him, but he, I think he was friends with Casey Scranton at CGS. It was one of his buddies. And he had that standard cab that was like purple and green. And it had Colorado Customs oh, on yes. it. Yes, yeah, I posted that truck not too long ago, and somebody's like, "Oh, I own this truck now," or something. I was like, "Really? That thing was clean." Yeah. It was so clean. I mean, it was only it was only a V six, but it was freaking insane clean. And that thing went to Japan, and that's kind of when mine yeah. went. But I was like, I need to get some twenties, and so I got the twenties. You know, and then Brian McCormick was like, dude, we got to shoot this for the cover of Truckin'. And so Brian shot that, and it went to SEMA on twenties the next year. And I showed it for a couple more years, and um, I ended up getting hit up by LA Wire Wheels like the third year I had it. And they were like, dude, we want to put this in our booth. You know, we want to put wires on. I'm like, well, I've already, this truck has got so much exposure. It's on its last leg. This is going to be the hoorah. And so LA Wire, you know, LA Wire Wheels was coming out with 20 inch wires. And, we put wires on it and they made a poster of it, you know, and at the time, you know, wraps weren't really that big, but they wrapped the windshield of the poster and it was in LA wires booth. And I showed up at SEMA and everybody's like, what the freak are you doing, dude? You got wires on a sport truck. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's my third time back to SEMA. And guess what? I got 20 inch wires for free. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's so beautiful because in that era, I know we used to say this on the East Coast a lot. Remember, like, you couldn't have a mini truck or, like, even full sizes for the most part. I'm not going to say there weren't any, but, like, if you had wires, that was, quote, for a low rider, you know? So, like, it was a little yeah. sacrilegious, but you're like, dude, this is my third time's a charm. I'm doing whatever I want. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was it. Nobody had 20s. Everybody had 13 by 7s and 15s, and this was. I don't know, one of the first set of yeah, 20s, I'll have to get I would those say, photos for sure. If you have any, because, you know, even looking back at a lot of the magazines trying to to pull stuff and this and that, like, like there's some of that stuff, you know, just doesn't exist. You know, you can't find it. Yeah, yeah, no, that was like, I don't know who had the first set of 20-inch wires, if it was Dayton or LA Wire, but, um, you know, I don't know, I think that was like 98, and I put them on for that, and, you know, I ended up selling them after that and putting the billets back on and you know like i said i don't remember that guy's truck with that truck but all the trucks in you know uh the california customs vans were all going to japan and they were getting big big money and i had held on to it a little bit too long i mean i think at the time i mean it's nothing now now you look back and it's like 30 grand you're like wow that's that's nothing but at the time 30 grand for that standard cab was a lot and um I ended up selling mine to Japan for twenty five grand, which wow. was pretty cheap. You know, yeah. I mean, that truck had a lot of work done to it. Like now, like if that went across an auction block, I mean, that could that could be a sixty, seventy, seventy five thousand plus truck. Is I mean, yes. maybe more. Yeah. You know, I could be. 
But but here's a couple things, right? I think the stance on it, 93, we're talking a 93 extended cab Chevy. We'll share the photos for those that don't know this truck. You should. But you basically have perfect stance. The billets look great. You have Empire Motorsports windshield banner, right? So the Phantom Grill, um, the grill itself, you know, with the, the you know the paint, the stance, the billet wheels, the interior, the stereo, the engine, you know, you could eat off of it. Like it really had everything. And I mean, as you were building this thing up, were you realizing like all the pieces of the puzzle were starting to go, okay, boom, boom, boom. Like this is a high caliber build. You know, it was, there were several of us at that time that had really high end, you know, um, OBSs at the time, you know, Clint Petrie. Yes. Um, you know, he still has his. That's what's freaking rad. His yep. is cool. Unfortunately, I heard that my paint, I had some issues with my paint um, on the tonneau cover, and Cal Concepts had to redo it. And then um, Steve DeMann, custom painter. Uh, color Kings. Yes. Yep. He he does a lot of he does a lot of lowrider stuff, and he was doing a lot of stuff in Japan. And he said he saw it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's all the roof and everything started peeling." So thankfully, it left. But at the time, there were a lot of high end OBSs at the time. I mean, the the competition was much stiffer at that time um, than like when I had my lifted four by, where it was like you know first first place every single time. But I mean, I did. I had everything on that. You know, I met. Um, uh, Buck Bland, you know, at Empire, we became friends, you know, it turns out that he was a sheriff with my uncle and, you know, he hooked me up on every piece of billet in that thing. And, um, I mean, literally it had everything done. I mean, I didn't, ha you know, it didn't, the frame and stuff wasn't powder coated or anything like my, my excursion where everything was powder coated, but it was on the ground. It didn't really matter. I didn't put it up. It was a driver. I mean, literally towards the end of that thing, like when I first met my wife, Right after we got married, I had that. I actually took that truck to Glamis. And, I mean, I think it had 17s on it then. But I had a small toy box trailer, 16-foot, with my quad in it. And my wife had, at the girlfriend at the time, had a Honda Pilot. And I'm like, I'm going to Glamis. I mean, that thing at the time had a you know, 5.7 drop before the airbags. And I get to Glamis at night. And they were leading me to camp. And I mean, I got it floored. I mean, the supercharger is whining. And thankfully, I made it to camp before I got stuck. But I've always used my stuff. I mean, people are like, you took that truck to Glamis? Yeah, I took it two miles into the sand <laughs> before I got stuck. Uh, but that was towards the end of it, you know, before I bagged it and then got rid of it. But I mean, it did. It had everything. Everything else was done. The motor was fully detailed. The interior, Stitchcraft, you know, my buddy Revi. I yes, yep. I mean, Revo and uh, Alan were from Hawthorne at the time, and um, that's how me and Revo, we became, I was friends with him since high school. Wow. And him and Alan at the time did my interior in that, and that's when Tweed was popping, and, you know, we did all Tweed interior in it, you know, and I ended up getting leather Recaros. I mean, I got sponsored by Recaro. I mean, I had a lot of big sponsors at the time. Yeah, and I tell you, like, the connections that you have – and how epic that truck came about, and it gets a cover. I want to talk about the other one in a second. But, you know, obviously, you, you know, you're busy. You've got your normal life. You've got your family and that type of stuff now. But, man, with all the connections that you have, if you really kind of just lifted up a couple fingers and started dialing a couple phone calls, you could almost put something together, I would think, John, every year for SEMA. Because, I mean, you have so many connections. You're in that right place out there. You know, times have changed a lot. You know, after that truck, 
when I had it at SEMA show, Frank Scatini and my buddy Robbie Gonzalez, you know, with the Rockin' It Toyota, they had gotten sponsored by Ford um, at the SEMA show. And when I had my extra cab at SEMA, Frank Scatini took me to um, the Ford events, to the Ford dinners and the awards. And we went out one night to dinner with um, all the people from Ford. And he introduced me to the people and I ended up putting a proposal in and that's when I got sponsored by Ford and they gave me my excursion. Wow. And, um, you know, back then literally, I mean, yeah, I mean, it got to a point where I didn't even have to write a proposal. I mean, I would spend hours and hours writing proposals and, you know, putting 30 page portfolios with all the magazines, letters of recommendation. But it got to a point where I was like, all I had to do was pick up a phone call, you know, pick up the phone. I mean, and I wheels, tires, whatever I pretty much needed. Um, but as I got, you know, later on in life after my excursion and, you know, the, my Explorer that I built for Ford, my F-350, we had kids. And that's kind of when I got in that 10, 12 years where I really wasn't doing a lot. And, you know, in that time was kind of the evolution of sponsorships. You know, back in a day, there was a handful of us. And in that time, you know, everybody got on that bandwagon. And these people were just getting bombarded. And, you know, I would go to the SEMA show and talk to people. And, you know, and they were kind of just blowing off because they were just getting hit up so much. And, you know, even though I, I did have some sponsors, you know, in the last, you know, my, when I built my last HD, my, it was an 08, um, since, since 2008 till now, it's, you know, how many followers, followers you have. It's not magazines, magazine, magazines are old school. So, you know, sure. I have some connections now and I could rekindle some of that, but you know, I'm good friends with Brent Riley at Fabtech and the guys at Mickey Thompson Tires. And, you know, kind of like in a lot of the industries, these big corporations bought trends and, you know, big companies bought them and those connections went away and corporate world took over, you know, Buck's old empire. And that, you know, didn't get really taken over by big, but, you know, those connections fell apart. You know, even Fabtech, you know, I mean, I could call it Fabtech and get whatever I wanted. I mean, they did all my trucks, whatever I needed, whenever I wanted a phone call. Well, they got sold out and now it's like, do my discount. There's not even that great. Um, you know, and you know, he, he's still there and he, he wants to, you know, make that company his legacy before he retires. But, um, it's just completely changed. I mean, ironically, I ended up, um, buying an old school, um, K5 blazer off of a friend that I used okay. to show with when I had my standard cab, and, um, you know, we're talking early 90s. And, you know, at the time, this K5 was gaudy. It was gaudy, hideous. I mean, I'm going to say it's just gaudy cool. But it only has 27,000 miles. It's been garage kept the entire time. And every, it has every accessory on it you could think of. I'm slowly taking some of it off. But, I mean, everything's pink and teal. But... I got that and I actually was thinking of taking it back to SEMA this year because Mickey Thompson kind of did a, like a retro thing last year. And finally, after me bugging them for many, many years and telling them, hey, bring back the, you know, the Baja, Baja tires, they said, hey, we're thinking about making that tire. And I'm like, well, shoot, you know what? I could bring this thing back to SEMA all retro with 39 Mickeys. It'd be 
fishing. Well, I called Mickey Thompson yesterday and, you know, my 25 year contacts, 30 year contacts, they all just got let go because corporate row came in and blew them all out. So, you know, getting sponsors nowadays is tough. It's really tough now. I mean, you know, there's so many people doing it and these corporate companies, they just, they uh, kind of ruined the industry as far as that, like they, like, like my buddy uh, Mickey Thompson said, they've kind of ruined the culture. You know, Mickey Thompson tires had a huge culture, even, even till now, you know, I mean, with, you know, race drag racing and off road. And unfortunately it's going to become just another tire company. Yeah, and, and I appreciate the honest answer and the candor on that because I, I was expecting, well, you know, I kind of get bored a little bit from it and things, you know, life happens. You know, we hear that all the time. We talk about that. But, you know, the honesty of the answer I think is true because you can go back 20 years and I'm sure Craig would say the same thing. It was like, hey, you know my reputation. You know my resume. We're going to build some crazy stuff. And they were like, dude, they couldn't wait to, like, go, here you go. You know, and again, things have kind of changed but here's something I wanted to hit on though that I think is important is here was something that I've like I used to stare at the cover of this magazine now we know we established here a minute ago for the listeners that you know March 98 your truck's on the cover of Truckin Brian McCormick who we've had on he shoots it it's called Wild Side dude ice on the cake life Ooh. is great but here was the crazy thing I still own my December 98 issue of Sport Truck and I used to stare at this cover. It just was intriguing, kind of the way they did the cover. And I was like, I had a bourbon. And I was like, man, is that a Suburban? No, that's not a Suburban. I know that truck. How, how Can you talk to us a little bit about, like, were you amazed when that that when that issue came out and your truck was on the cover? Or did you have a little bit of pre-sight on, or insight on that? That was by chance, man. Ah, cool. You know, my, my truck had already been on the cover in several magazines and multiple ads, you know, for you know, companies that sponsors and stuff. And, um, that was a show at the, um, at the time it was new, you know, the California speedway, it was a sport truck, sport truck show. And at the time I knew Travis, but I didn't really know. And I I know when I listened to his podcast with you, you know, he kind of talks about it. He was really new at the time. At the time I thought, Oh, I I was thinking Travis was his big dog at sport truck. And, you know, they were going to do a shoot and like, Hey, we're going to go out on the track. And I figured, well, you know, I mean, my truck's all done up. Yes. But Travis is the freaking guy working there. I mean, I thought he was like the big dog at the time. Well, they ended up moving me to the front cause he was in the front at first and his yeah. truck was super Sano. I mean, super Sano red, just, I mean, clean, clean, clean where mine was just over the top. And, you know, they said, hey, we're going to do a, a lap, but we want you in the front. And I kind of felt bad at first. I'm like, oh, dang, because he's the one that invited me to go to that. And we just did the parade lap. And um, I didn't really know that it was going to be. There was probably 10 or 15 of us going around the track. And that was just by chance. And it was kind of like, hell yeah, that's awesome. That's another magazine. You know, it's another one to add to my list because that was towards the end of the era of that truck. Yeah, and, and it, it was, had like you said, it looked like a suburban. Yeah, I was I always had, like, I, had, I was like, I know that's not a suburban, but I was like, it kind of looks, and you know, with me having a suburban, but yeah, you because you put a camper shell topper on it. I almost forgot about it, honestly, until you said that. <laughs> but yeah, I was just trying to change the look up. I mean, I didn't like the shell per se, but I was just trying to evolve it 
to keep yeah, it new. Some yeah, some yeah, because I would always zo- well not zoom in. Now I'm zooming in, but I would always look at the dash and I saw Stitchcraft across you know right be you know on the dash and I was like oh that's it. But at that time you had the for sale sign on it, and I'm curious about this though, like. A lot of us, you know, you think about now, it's a little bit more easy. The world's more global. It's, you know, somebody wants to buy something, send me the money, boom, you know, it goes to the port. In those days, even though, like you said, the California vans and all this stuff was going overseas, was it like an easy transaction? Do you have any memories from like it selling and actually going to, I think, the Long Beach port and then overseas? No, it was completely different then. You know, we didn't have the avenues that we had. And even later, you know, I think Craig actually ended up selling something on the DuPont registry after that. And that's how I ended up selling my excursion. So when I had that and I was selling it, it was just a matter of word of mouth and putting it in the, uh, the, what would they call it? The recycler, you know, yes, I mean, we didn't have the inter- yeah, we didn't have the internet. So it's like, you're going to put a black and white picture of this in the recycler or the truck trader, or seeing it at a show really there was no way to put it out there unless you had those connections with all the guys at you know california customs and anyway one of their exporters you know because they were exporting anything saw me at a show and i mean i guess i probably could have got more money but i had bought my first house at that time we had just gotten married and um i had bought a i'm gonna say new suburban but it was actually a theft recovery it literally was stolen off the lot with like 26 miles. And, um, you know, we were going to Glamis and the river. We had our jet skis at the time, me and my wife. And we're like, screw this lower truck. I just took this to Glamis and I got stuck. I need something lifted. And <laughs> yeah, you know, let me I get back to my roots. <laughs> yeah. And that's when the two, when OBSs were just starting to get lifted. And, you know, Brent Riley and Dave Winter at Fabtech, you know, they always involved me on all their, you know, uh, development of new things and they're like hey we're gonna do this long travel you got that new suburban you want to build and that's when i first got into i got into relax with my extra cab and then i had the bourbon and like i said it was brand new but it was completely stripped the whole front end was off it the interior was out of it and i don't know i think i bought it for like 15 grand or something but for a brand new fully loaded suburban i ended up getting all the parts and putting it together. And I built that as a lifted two wheel drive. Cause that's when, you know, everybody was starting to lift their OBSs. You know, they were tired of the lowered and they were, you know, lifting the two wheel drives. And that's when I built my blazing bourbon, which Brian McCormick ended up shooting for uh, street trucks. Yeah. And um, that's right. I remember that now, you know, and bucket empire had every piece of billet in it. And, um, we put, you know, ghost flames on it, kicker sponsored it, it had four twelves in it. And so my, you know, Chrome doll, I mean, and I love Chrome, you know, my extra cab, my single cab had everything Chrome and powder coated underneath everything. So I chromed all the long travel on it. And, um, that got a lot of exposure as well with Fabtech and Mickey Thompson tires, Colorado customs made me. You know, it was an off-road truck, but a show truck. So it had this long travel. I mean, what we would call a mid-travel now, but at the time it was a long travel. But it had um, uh, flame wheels on it because it had a flame steering wheel, flame, you know, flames on it. And that's kind of when Craig obtained the Suburban Suburban, and he built that. And um, so that was kind of that transition, like I said, of OBS's, and that was kind of the new trend to have a lifted two-wheel drive. 
Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. When you know, speaking of Craig and some of your other friends and, you know, the Sean Dells and like so many other great guys that kind of came a little bit, like you said, after your, you know, tremendous run, did you ever feel like in that era, like, you know, God, man, am I get, like, even now, do you feel like, man, you know, we were, we were running game on dudes running, you know, in terms of like, you know, cruising the strip and doing all this stuff. Like, do you ever think like, man, did we get the credit or do you look back and go, man, look right. Here's the credit that I got the magazines. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people, I mean, I know a lot of people in our culture and in our industry. And I know a couple people referred you to call me, but I was kind of like the, even though I, I probably got, I don't want to say this in a way, but I, I probably got more coverage than a lot of, than the majority of yeah, people as far yeah. as magazines and exposure, but in the culture, in the world, a lot of people don't know who I am. You know, of course everybody in relaxed and the, you know, the negative, uh, I mean, negative camera guys, I don't know, but a handful of them really. I mean, Kevin Coonsy, Chris call, and you know, those are people that we were really good friends with. Um, but in the culture, as far as mini trucking, especially this newer era back East, Nobody knows who the hell I am. I'm just like the guy from California walking with my California relaxed shirt. But, you know, in that time when Craig built his Suburban and I had my extra cab, I mean, and we were in uh, relaxed. I mean, we were, yes, we were not to toot our horns. I mean, because there were definitely other clubs and people out there that had badass shit, but you know, we rolled into, you know, spring splash and I mean, we won like 30 trophies yep. and, you know, relaxed, cleaned house that day, I mean, you know, because at the time, even Chris call was even in relax at the time. Yeah. And then later on, you know, when I got sponsored by Ford, I ended up building my excursion kind of mellow the first year. And then it was ended up um, getting used in a Mountain Dew commercial with Busta Rhymes, me and Frank Scatini. Right, they both right, bought right. Yeah, oh, real quick, I tried to find that commercial for. Uh, it's etched in my mind. Was that the Green Expedition? It's green Excursion. Excursion. That's what it was, dude. I spent. I've spent hours trying to find that commercial because you know, even commercials from that era, you can't find them. Like they're hard. If you find it, you find it. But if you don't, they're hard to find. But if you ever run across that, dude, because I've been wanting to well, post somebody that. Somebody posted it. Okay. Yeah, somebody finally did. You know, you used to be able to Google Mountain Dew commercial, but it was the later Mountain Dew commercials that popped up, and I couldn't even find it. But somebody oh, on one of the pages. Mountain Dew, because I kept thinking it was Sprite, because, you know, Sprite was always heavily connected with hip hop. And for some reason, yeah, no, I it's kept Mountain Dew. Okay. So somebody on one of the pages <laughs> ended up finding it, and I do have it on my page, and it's on one of the mini trucking pages. Okay. And uh, they ended up beating the hell out of our trucks, and we got paid really well. And um, I got that truck from Ford, and so the next year I just wanted to to I wanted my dream was to win a Ford Award. I mean, all my buddies had done it, and that was like, dude, I need to the win a Ford Award. award. Yes, award. the Ford Design Award. And um, we had some kind of I'm going to say. What would you call it, man? Like, Bad luck. I want to say like cock, cock, cocky wars back then, you know, oh, between between some of us. And I'm like, dude, I so I got paid pretty good on that, and they did some damage. So I ended up repainting it that Audi Audi blue, and then Frank with Big Dummy Unlimited Customs, you know, he he's an amazing fabricator, really good friend, the most. Uh, what would you say? Unique friend, you could say he's 60, almost 60 years old now, but he's just a handful, but an amazing fabricator. I mean, he built, you know, monster trucks, you know, back then he ended up building his, his other monster trucks where he stood up in it like a, 
off suspended off of bungee cords basically yeah. with two shocks and so he ended up doing my whole four link on there with me and uh we did you know three inch kings all the way around on it um at the time actually sean at gibson was like the first one to do like a four link um, his was kind of simple, you know, he didn't powder coat anything. It was just two tone and I wanted to four link it and just go off. And so I painted it that blue four link Kings cantilevered rear airbags in the back because I was still going to Glamis and I wanted to tow and, you know, I was trying to make it show and go. That was kind of my, my thing. And that's where Wildside customs or Wildside rides started from was from Brian McCormick. I didn't have a name for the truck and he came up with Wildside and that's kind of where that came from. Wow. And um so I did a full four link, chromed all the four link, chromed the the rotor or the calipers, powder coated the transmission. Gus Stewart, you know, at the time was working at Jet Transmissions. They pulled the whole thing apart for me. We powder coated this tranny, painted the frame and that was when I won my 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 Ford Design Award. And um I mean, that was epic. That, that was, was like, awesome. congrats, dude. That was the top of my, and I was married and had a business at the time. So that was my peak. And I did do vehicles after that, but I kind of fell off after that. Just got busy with life. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't make, I made every year, every year I made SEMA until then. And then I missed a couple years having kids and ended up building my XF350, which was a, had a 650 front end on it. And that was the year my daughter was born. And my daughter, my wife went to actually go pick up the torque converter for me at a, somewhere. And she ended up going into labor early and like a week before SEMA and I didn't make it. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, she's like, you, you're the one that put me into labor carrying that damn torque converter. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, man, like, when I look back, even, you know, I think of the Forerunner and some of the things we talked about, but the Forerunner, when you had posted, I, I looked back and you had posted, you said, Rad, 30 years later, one of my trucks inspired a cool RC build, pretty uh, flattering. And you look back like the paint on it and the schemes and and just everything from that, you know, I'll even say mid to late 80s into the 90s, man, through the 90s was just, I mean, what an iconic era, man. Yeah, you know, I, I, I follow all those scale RC builders and I had seen that RC truck and they're building a lot of really cool scale Toyotas now. I mean, I actually want to build one and I saw that and I, I kind of was like, Oh, that kind of reminiscence, you know, looks kind of like my forerunner. And then I saw him post and he posted a picture of my forerunner next to it. And he's all, this is where I got my inspiration or whatever. And I mean, honestly, that was, that was like very humbling. I was, I mean, I'm going to say that's kind of an honor, you know I mean? we're talking, I built that truck in 91. So we're, you know, 30 years later and this guy remembers that truck and, you know, it his pain off it, you know, that that's really humbling, you know, and I was, I was pretty stoked to see that. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Now, you know, I know I kind of asked you about, you think now and you go, man, like, you know, you just reinforced the, the Ford design award. I mean, congrats on that and all the other things when I know, not to go too far down this morning trail, but I know you got the connection with Craig Elder, and I know Craig. You know he built so many epics, like so many epic builds. Like I, I've said this before on the record, that you you could almost argue that he had one of the greatest runs in the truck in our truck scene. You know, obviously with with the amount of covers and Brian McCormick was like, boom, okay, we're gonna shoot it. I mean, really, the GMC 
Suburban should have been on the cover, but it was like, you know, early in Street Trucks, like issue two, I think. But I mean, just so many builds. Like, do you think someone like him with the connection that you have, does he just get maybe bored of the scene? And like, you know, even yourself, you took you take a break, right? Because you have kids and you do all that. But like, I sometimes wonder what the mindset is. Do people just go, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I've done it all. And a guy like him just mic drops and goes, hey, I'm out the game. Craig's a good friend. You know, I mean, um, we don't talk all the time, but we do keep in touch. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, back in the day at the, the Spring Splash days, it was kind of like a battle, you know, and it was it, it kind of sucks because there were a lot of guys that we're friends with nowadays that we kind of almost had like a beef with who was better. And I'll never forget uh, Scott from Arizona showed up with Top This. And, dude, that was like off the hook, man. You know, 30-inch lift and turf tires on it. And the truck was epic. And then Craig was like, dude, I'm going to build my Suburban to smoke that guy. And <laughs> although Craig's Suburban was dope, I mean, I was there when he got it and it was on 35s. And, and um, you know, at the time, he, you know, we all had these big trucks and I, he built it. And it was a badass truck. But in my opinion, Top This was still the king. You know, I mean, it might not have had as much crazy fabrication. Top This was the one that showed up and was like, Oh damn, that's the first. You know, it's kind of like when me and Craig four linked all of our, you know, excursions, and we went to Glamis, and me, you know, he was on the bags, and I had coilover. Sean had his, and it was like, you know, we were like the first ones out there with four links on our trucks, mobbing the hell out of them. But top this was the truck back then, and he built that suburban, and that's kind of where he he painted it yellow because you know he saw what exposure i got and he kind of ran with the yellow theme on many many trucks and he took it to another level i mean um he has a short attention span and you know loses interest in a lot of his projects i mean even till this day i mean he's got i mean i'm not gonna go into it a lot yeah, sure, but sure. I, I, there's kind of things that are kind of i'm gonna say kind of private with right, it right, but right, um right. I mean, his freaking orchard up there, you know, because he, you know, family-owned business is just kind of like a graveyard of insane builds. I mean, it's kind of sad, dude. I mean, there are, and I think it's just because he, he, now he's so involved in his business, you know, he's taken over the business from his mom and his grandpa that all that stuff's kind of gone to the wayside. Um, but over the years with all these vehicles, there's probably 15 vehicles up there. I took Sean Dell up there and man, he was just baffled. He's like, these things are just sitting here rotting, you know, the, the F three fifty, the Kodiak, um, you know, Gendro had done the S550, you know, made it late frame. That never got done. That's sitting up there. Um, I mean, there's just, it's it's kind of mind-blowing. And his aspect, you know, his mindset is on making money now. I mean, the dude is a freaking workaholic now, where before it was like all he did was play and his grandpa wanted to kill him, you know? Right, right. Uh, you know, mo mom and grandpa were like, dude, this freaking kid in his trucks. But now it's like he's... I mean, he's making money like no tomorrow. And, um, you know, he's got the Lambo that's laid out. And, I mean, I went up there one day, and it was just sitting out in the field. And, thankfully, that's in his garage now in, in um, up on the beach in Del Mar. Or, is it Del Mar? Anyway, but, uh, data point. But, I mean, there's 10 or 15 vehicles just sitting up there. And it's basically what happened was I think Craig wanted to be the best, and he was. I mean, I'm going to say out of – any any run of anybody out there, 
I don't think there's anybody that could shake a stick at what Craig did. Yeah, it's, you know? like, Craig, it, it, it's like a Michael Jordan run. You know what I mean? I mean that yeah. with all respect. Yes. If he ever hears it, like, dude, like, we, we anytime I post, and I mean, I mean this, I know we're talking, you know, this is, you know, your episode, but like when you think about, because I knew you had the connection, it just what it was a monumental run. Yeah, I mean, it's like I did a lot, and I had a lot of magazine covers, and and then after I kind of faded out, I mean, and I mean, I was still into it when, like, when he had his Kodiak and stuff, but not as much. Sure. And um, I mean, he just took it to another level, and then that's what I told him, like, bro. And the thing with with Craig is he has a lot of money, but he is cheap. <laughs> yeah. None of the joke. But I'm like, as much money as you have. And he had just built this big old huge building for the the nursery. I said, take all your vehicles, put them in a line inside this building, <laughs> and let them, instead of letting them rot. And I actually had contemplated, like even because he had a built started to build an F four fifty, a new like a two thousand eighteen, and it literally was sitting. The chassis was sitting there, all fabricated, completely rusted. And he wanted to get that done because he just loses interest in something. He wants to build something else and something else and something else. And he's like, dude, finish my F-450 and I'll give you the Bentley. And I thought about it for a moment because he doesn't have time and I, I don't have time. And I know how Craig is. He likes to micromanage. And I'm like... I'm like, if I build, if I finish it, dude, you can't tell me. You got to just let me finish it. Let me do it my way. Right, right. But the bottom line is, I don't have the time. I got my own business and my own builds. I can't go help him finish his things, you know, when I don't even have my things finished. But right, right. I told That's him, a good way to put it. I'm all just freaking pay somebody to freaking repowder coat and chrome everything, and you know, he paint ended up changing from yellow to blue, kind of like I did, and. I said, but if you lined up everything you own here and you did a heavy hitters article, dude, it would be the most epic heavy hitters magazine ever. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that magazine's around anymore. Yeah. you could bring MTV Cribs back and just be, just do like a a building like oh this is a detached garage and it would be like, damn, look at this, you know. Well, that's probably doesn't have a garage to park it all in, so he has it. He has four hundred acres up there in the hills, but you know now he has a building. But yes, it's like it would be the most epic, you know, MTV cribs of you know car or trucks <laughs> ever seen. I mean, you know, you're talking laid out Lambo, laid out you know Range Rover, laid out Mercedes, uh, uh, freaking the new. He's got the, his wife drives the. Um, Urus, Lamborghini Urus, all painted blue, plus the Kodiak, the F-350, you know, it's just like, dude, it would be epic. Yeah, yeah, it's like mind-blowing. It is crazy. It's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. But now he just works, man. I mean, I literally was riding uh, by his house at the beach a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a Sunday, and I saw his daughter. I'm like, hey, is your dad home? And she's like, no, he's working. I'm like, what? It's a freaking Sunday. And they live like an hour away from the ranch. And he's like, yeah, we're coming home now. It's Wendy's birthday. We're going to go out to dinner. I'm like, dude, that's messed up. It's your wife's birthday and you're working on a Sunday. They're literally <laughs> he's hustling. Yeah. He, he's a workaholic now and he's, it's good. I mean, kudos to him, man. I mean, he, he he's killing it. He's killing it. But the projects have taken the wayside yeah. i mean he's got a he's got an hd that he didn't finish and maybe probably a couple other things that i don't even know about yeah and that's the thing like what i want some people to understand too is 
when when you have situations like that where you know life life is important right the kids the family the house the you know trying to to stay afloat on all of that and then you go hey this stuff's supposed to be fun and some people can enjoy it more like some people have a, a solid nine to five and they clock out and boom they're ready for the weekend right everybody's got a different situation but yeah eddie gordy yeah. eddie gordy man i don't know how that guy does it man he's got a full-time job oh, he's working like that night. or something yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah that i don't have half the energy to even want to one you know the fuel costs and then you go hey i'm gonna sweat my you know tail off and set it up and then Oh, by the way, I gotta wait till the end. You can't sneak out with that display, you know, Sunday morning. <laughs> so yeah, that's exhausting to me. I mean, I give that guy props, man. He's he's hardcore. Yeah, he won one of our awards for you know our best ofs, and I mean, he's just truly you know a hardcore dude. But when you know, so shout out to again Craig and Wendy. You know, we've hashtagged. I've started the hashtag years ago. Hashtag Craig Elder, and you can see some of the cool stuff. And the only reason I brought that up. And by the way, happy Bladed Born Day. I didn't get to tell you yesterday on 8-7, I think, was your birthday. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I um, I got – I'm actually locked out of my personal Facebook page, so oh, I'm, I'm, I need to get back in. I have two profiles. You know, Johnny Otto is supposed to be my business professional one, and, you know, I, I've become a little bit of a political person with our – yeah, the crappy world we're in, and but my John Christopher is John Christopher on Facebook is actually where all my truck builds and stuff are, and it's still on there. And then I have you know wild side rides that I started on Instagram. I tried to get that going, and I've kind of lagged. Like I said, New New Year's, but yeah, I got more birthday wishes yesterday than I mean. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I I, I was like humbled. I was yeah. like, wow, you know, I don't think people pay that much attention to me because i tend to rattle off a lot on facebook and but i mean i got a lot of love yesterday so thanks everyone yeah no and it's cool and that's one of the reasons why it's crazy like you know you and i slapped hands and we start talking about trucks and you know some people think like i'm not like i'm not like rain man i'm not like when you throw down you know uh, toothpicks i i, I I just, I don't know what it is. Like, if there's something that you really love in life, I just love, like, trucks, right, this era. So to be able to, like, meet and then, you know, do a podcast, you know, we're an hour and a half in, and just shoot the shit about the good old days. But I think it's also important, like what I said earlier, my main thing is a lot of times, like, even mini truckers, we don't get a lot of credit we as the community, because, you know, we're often looked at as, oh, they build shit, they do this. But you and I both know, if you look back to, like like you were saying, if you're drawing the line in the sand in the early 90s with bags, and you had, like, Rick Bentley, and you had Brian Gendro, and, and so many other more, but you had these guys that were basically mini truckers. Maybe they didn't call themselves mini truckers, you know, but you and I both know they were mini truckers, and... The important thing to me is I want people to know that, yeah, the sport trucks were cool. You know this. You came from that era. But I really think that the clash of the sport trucks with the mini trucks got us to where we're at. You know, dualies being laid out. For sure. For sure. That, that, that kind of, you know, Boyd and stuff was doing cool stuff. But you mix that with the mini truckers, and then we're like, boom, okay, cover of trucking, body drop dualies. You know, who would have ever – where trucking started in summer of 75 – with vans, do you think they would have ever envisioned four door, thirty five hundred one ton trucks on the ground? I mean, that they didn't foresee that. You know what I mean? So. No, I don't think so. I mean, like like rolling out the LST, you know, seeing or even mini truck Nats and seeing you know hundred thousand dollar F three fifties laid out towing you know goosenecks with <laughs> three show trucks on it. It's like holy crap! I mean, that you know 
even all that Craig did and the crazy things that he built and, you know, he had a couple loaded up. Like, I mean, actually, I, I think I have a picture of my extra cab towing his van to a show. And it was like, dude, that was like the shit, you know, I'm towing yes. this badass yellow van and behind my, my truck, you know, but, um, some of these guys roll deep now and those mini truckers have some deep pockets obviously now, and they've evolved from the broke mini truck days. And, you know, somebody that like, I was like, you were talking about iconic people, you know, Sean is Sean Dell is a good friend of mine. And, you know, he's pretty quiet and, but you know, he, his, his, his history is kind of unseen as well, you know, yeah, he's cause yeah. he's just quiet. He, you know, he got nominated for Mini Truck um, Hall of Fame, and yes. yep. he is not a people person as far as big crowds. Yep. And, you know, his wife asked me to speak for him, and I'm like, oh, dang, okay. And, and I didn't realize I had never been to the Hall of Fame and didn't realize there was thousands of people there. I'm like, oh, right, my gosh. Right. Yep. I got to say, I did better than Cope, though, because my boy <laughs> Cope. My boy Cope got up there for our relaxed reward, and I, I've never seen Cope so nervous in my life. <laughs> But, yeah, um, yeah, you know, Sean, you know, from the crazy custom days, you know, to helping Craig build a lot of his things to work in at rods and things. And, you know, now he's got uh, SoCal rods and customs. I mean, he took a, a, a big break, but he built some iconic, like high dollar, multi-million dollar, you know, cars. Like he's got that Mercedes that they cut in half or, you know, down the middle and widened it and put it on a, a modern chassis and, you know, he's got a probably a 8,000 square foot shop now, and he's just building some epic hot rods. Yeah. It, and, and again, it kind of goes back to, you know, there's a lot of success. You know, not everyone turned into Ryan Fringling House on West Coast Customs, tip of the cap, or like a, a Finnegan, right? Those are two of the the bigger names that maybe came out of that are still kind of in the automotive industry. You have like a Craig Elder, you know, you've got a lot of different kinfolk, but I think it's just important that people get the credit. And I know like going back to that comment that I made earlier, when someone, a guy that I know, you know, he's got the sick mini truck page, you know, he posts and it, you know, everybody wants engagement and that's hard to get the, these days. You have to have a successful page, but when somebody goes, well, what's the most iconic truck of all time? Again, they're asking for opinions, but you, you're seeing yeah. people name a truck 10 years ago and you go, okay, you know, I don't put much, you know, credence into that, but I, I kind of go, well, hold on. You know, what about the first mini truck that was on the cover of truck? And, you know, again, yes, I know for yeah. some people they're just like, well, hold on, you know, that's way before my era, you know, but it's like, yeah, that's the importance I think of what we do is we want to make sure that people don't forget about, you know, the people like even you, man, that are still doing cool stuff. Well, that's, I mean, if you ask me what were my top 10 truck, my list is going to be different. Cause a lot yes. of mine are going to be old school build, you know, even though I've been going to a lot of shows and stuff lately, you know, I'm going to have this gap of trucks that I don't know. I mean, Eddie Gordy, I know him because he's in my club and we hang out and, you know, but uh, somebody that builds a truck like him, there's other people out there that do that, that I might not necessarily right. know, but, right, right. but Pat Nickel, and I don't remember his name, but it was the black 89 single cab that was, I think it was one of the first body dropped ones. And I think it was something clean and it had rocker panel graphics, you know, those are ones from my era or, you know, master, you know, of course everybody knows master image, you know, yep, yep. Rob, you know, and some of his builds and, you know, but there was, you know, a dually back then it was all painted candy pink, you know? So my list is going to be different. I mean, of course mine's going to include a lot of four buys my list. Yes. Yes. But people like, you know, there are people like, like I said, myself that people don't know who I am or, 
even Sean, Sean Dell. A lot of people don't know who Sean is. And um, he's, Sean is, you know, he's younger than me, but you talk about somebody that's just built a lot of, had influence on a lot of things. I mean, there are people like him that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, dude, it's been fun. I mean, we've talked about a lot. Um, before, and I'll and I'll give you a question here in a second to see if there's anything else you want to add. But I wanted to ask you this: Do you like when you think back to the the you know maybe the late seventies, early eighties, whenever you know you were running around? Do you remember like I grew up watching Chips, right? Just I don't know why. I mean, I didn't really think. Yeah, same here. Yeah, as a kid, I knew it was California. But for whatever reason, like that little intro and stuff, like as a kid, like I just loved it. But did you watch like shows and then realize like as you got a little bit older, like, wait a minute, that was filmed on the road I'm driving down. Oh, that movie was, oh, that like to me, that's mind blowing all these years later seeing that the film capital of the world there in, in the greater Hollywood area. Well, if you watch Chips, you know, nowadays and you look at the freeways, that was like the, we, we, we could only dream the freeways were like that. Then. <laughs> right, no you know, they, 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 they filmed a lot of those episodes on the freeways in like, you know, outer areas, you know, in Simi Valley. And yeah, yeah. it was like, there was nobody on those freeways. You go on those freeways now and there's a million people. Dude. But, um, you know, when I lived in Hawthorne, they were building the 105 freeway. And I mean, we used to go four buying this stuff down there, but that's where they filmed um, Speed and they jumped the bus across oh, so right you know right yep so yeah i watched them watched them do that or didn't watch them but i saw the film crews there so yeah i mean i'm gonna say i'm kind of sad because our culture that i want to say we kind of started out this way you know moved east mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you guys are still killing it. You know, I mean, when I go to mini truck Nats and just seeing everybody, you know, cruising and dragging, I'm like, dude, we, we don't see that here anymore. You know, I did go to Dino's for my first time this year and I was yep. pumped because that was a badass show. I took my dually out there yep, and yep. that was the first time in many, many years I've seen anything on the West Coast anywhere near that big. Yeah, Dino's that's an epic show. And, you know, um, after my, a couple of my other later builds, I had an HD that was lifted with a long travel. And then um, I kind of had a break. I have a 61 Suburban I've had for like 10, 12 years. It's lifted and it's got on a Duramax chassis and I was going to build it for SEMA. And I never have really taken it. I drive it daily and, you know, well, not daily, but I drive it and tow with it. And I really kind of took a break for a little bit and bought my uh my obs uh, tahoe off of andy cook and drove it for a while and um ended up buying a laid out dually off of a friend it was sitting in their driveway for like 15 years it's a 94 and it has 90,000 original miles and um i ended up having a painter that was in between jobs last year and so i ended up painting my tahoe and my uh obs dually and so now it's kind of cool i take one of those to the show you know with with relax and i do have that k5 and i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do with that k5 like i said it's hideously cool but my dream of taking it to sema might have been blown away honestly i just want to get rid of it <laughs> <laughs> so you know time and money you know it's all time and money and i even to this day have an old school toyota i have an 86 toyota with a 14 inch lift on 39 mickeys and i just pulled the mickeys off uh few days ago to put them in storage just because it's a project that's sitting there that i want to get done but i don't have the time and money kind of like sean i mean sean's trying to finish you know his truck and i don't know if it'll ever be finished <laughs> yeah 
I know a lot of people, you know, ask him about it, and it was cool. I got a chance because I think Sean went with, or you were out there at LST, probably with Sean, or you bumped into him there. No, we were there. The funny thing is, me and him flew, and his his son Dusty is, I think, twenty now. He built that yellow k5 blazer and um it's got an ls in it and he's hardcore dude that kid is driving that thing ever he's drove it to texas twice and uh he drove all the way to houston picked us up at the airport so um you know the mini trucker sean's kids are are mini truckers and it's pretty rad his youngest uh seth is still in high school and he's got a mini truck now and i mean he rolled it out to um laughlin to the uh-huh. out to Laughlin and we, they were like okay I hope he makes it I hope he makes it and he's like <laughs> I mean because like he even said he's all oh, that truck's a pile <laughs> yeah it's nice and I, I got to see it in person because a year ago I wish I would have looked you up I was I don't know, I'm gonna try to go again this year in September I was out for my Lincoln friends the Raddies. they were in H- Huntington Beach area uh, they, they mm-hmm. actually, I got to go to Balboa Island they they were over at the church or vases or Ch- not Chim- I always want to say Chimicheras, but it's not that. They were yeah. Balboa was a cool place. That's basically with Newport. We used to cruise Newport and yes. go to Balboa Island and then take the ferry over. Yeah, that was super cool. So when I was out there on that Saturday, we went to cruising for a cure, and we dude, we were up like at four fifteen. Like we went to bed like at like one a.m. one thirty, and they're like, "Okay, we'll be in the parking. We'll be downstairs to pick you up at four thirty or four fifteen. I was like. In three hours? So we yeah, right? picked us up and we cruised in the show. I had never seen a show so organized, dude. All the cones. I didn't. Every- I know. Sean. Yeah, Sean and Dusty went to that yeah. and I missed it. I heard it was an epic show. I, dude, I, it was, I, don't, think, it was I don't know if my dually or anything was done, you know, then. Yeah, um, yeah. But I got my dually, you know, done this year. I mean, not done, done, but it's painted. And it, you know, I put 22s on it. Um and it did lay frame with the with the 16s, you know. Obviously, the 22s doesn't go quite that low, but you know, I took it to the Roadster show, and they ended up putting on all their ads. So it it it, it I was kind of stoked. It got a lot of uh, publicity, but um, I would like to go to that show this year if it hasn't already passed. Yeah, I know. I I'm hoping to get back out there. But dude, man, it's really been a lot of fun. And if I do make it back in September, which is I got. I got. I've been looking at flights. If I make it back out there in about a month, then uh, I'll have to try to link up with you. But dude, like, I mean, we talked about so much, and and I really appreciate. It. I, I remember you being on with Travis Nowak on OBS uh, talk. Uh, shout out to Ronnie, and that was very cool. And you know, I appreciate you just kind of giving the details because, like I said, I grew up reading trucking. I've got all these trucking magazines, too many to count, and it's awesome to be able to link up, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. It was fun. It was definitely fun. You know, um. I had seen you online and didn't really know who you were until we met at LST and um, bought a bunch of signs and decks off of you. And, you know, so it was kind of, it was cool to meet up with you and, you know, we've, we've met a couple times now. So it was definitely, was, was fun to uh, talk about everything and kind of given, you know, insight on the history of from my perspective from Southern California. Oh yeah. And I really appreciate it, dude. I know the a lot of listeners, they're overnight guys, they're, they're on the road, and they appreciate the longer episodes. So, John, I'll keep in touch. You've sent me some great photos. If you do encounter any others that you think we can share that maybe tie into some of the stories, I'll be glad to share them and tag you, brother. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll send you some, you know, from the Craig eras and, you know, when we had the excursions, I'll send them over to you. Yeah, brother. Straight triple OG, man. Nothing but love and respect, man. Thanks, man. It was good talking with you. Oh, what's up, homie? 
not much. I don't know if you heard last week, but Hank is mad because he thanked me, but he's oh, pissed at you. Mad. He yeah. talked. He yeah, talked yeah. to Josh oh. Ellis, and he thanked me for nicknaming Eastbound Get Down EBGD. He uh, said he started the punk rock club back in the day, up in New York. Where, you know, no, no, not 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 the group. Oh, um, I thought he was mad at me because I I didn't know who Wham was. Dude, CBGB, CBGB, and that's the, like the famous punk rock club. And he is thinking he's going to go after you and John for royalties because EBGD sounds too close to CBGB. And I'm ah. thinking, dude, you know, he, he was friends with Judge Wapner, rest in peace, from the People's Court, so you just never know, man. Well, I tell you what, uh, better be careful because, uh, uh, you know, Big John's got a lot of money behind him. <laughs> I don't. We saw his Escalade, I mean, dog. His ball. Dude, he's he's top on you, Mike. Let's just be honest. Oh, for sure. For sure. Top on all regimes. I love it. Yeah. <laughs>